0: Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hey guys, Maximilian X here on the top of the episode. Um, with a special message from the team. We made a survey to gauge what people think of Game Rivals. Please fill this in, as it will help us make the content that you would enjoy. The link for this is in the description for the episode, or you can find the link also on our Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals underscore. Thank you for your attention, and now back to the main episode.
1: Alrighty, welcome back everybody to this first season 2 episode of Game Rivals. I hope you happy all Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I hope you all had great uh, holidays. Get to spend some time with your families and play all those nice games you all got for Christmas. Um mm-hmm. I'm here with my good friend and host Maximilian X. How were your holidays,
0: Maximilian? Yeah, they were fine. I got to relax a bit, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy you did because it's going to be a really busy year for us. A lot of stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: I think normally we have like these these standard segments we're doing, but for this episode we have something special cooked up, and I hope we keep ourselves to the time limits, but I'm afraid due to passion and other sort of things we'll (laughs) go over it. Uh, We're going to do it like a a decade in review for um, some games or some platforms. Um, Which one do you want to start off with? Let's start off with PC. Okay, that's the shortest list. (laughs)
0: Probably the easiest (laughs) one. I think that's the shortest list. It's going to be easy to do it, but... Please bear with us. Um, We promise this is going to be a really fun episode because we're going to talk a lot of games, a lot of games.
1: Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the games that were released in the last decade, which were memorable or have left an impact on us or for us. So we'll probably forget a lot of games or not mention a lot of games. And people will be like, oh, but that game and this game is super awesome. Again, this is something that stood out for us. So. If there's anything we forgot, please let us know. Throw it in the comments or
0: wherever. or send us or send us a video, me- uh, video um a voice, voice message, message. Yeah. through the link in the description of this podcast episode. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and we'll be able to add you to our next episode uh, if we get enough of you guys. So, well, uh, so,
1: without further ado, the first game on your PC list.
0: Okay, so mine um is a game that came out in 2013. But I didn't pick it up until about a year ago, um, on discount on Steam, which is called Papers Please, I've which never is heard a of it. oh then well then let me enlighten you about this one. Um, Papers Please is this ah, okay? How do I say this? It's a border, it's a border patrol simulator where you're this border patrol guy in this eastern european like country where it's your job to check people's credentials before you let them through okay and it's it basically builds up every day so you have so you play a day and a day is about i think 10 minutes or so yeah and you have to let people through so and it gets difficult as you play along so you first only check to see if they have their the right papers with them so i think it starts with um like this certificate that says that they can enter the country and then you stamp the paper you check it you make sure that it's not fake what where they're from you stamp it you let them through after the first day something happens i don't remember what it was i think it was a terrorist attack, and after that terrorist attack, you have to be more strict, so now they have to have a visa in their passport. You have to make sure that the visa is real, so you get like this comparison sheets and stuff, and you have to pay attention, but you also have to be quick
1: How because did you're this
0: game end up on that list because it sounds because it it it's that off the wall kind of stuff that you can only find on p c and especially from indie developers. Is it
1: an early access game?
0: No, 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 no. This game came out in two thousand three. Lock, stock, and barrel. Okay. Yeah, I think two thousand three. And in... oh, sorry, not two thousand three. Two thousand thirteen. Okay, my bad. Otherwise... <laughs> <laughs> of the yeah. decade in review. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's on. I think it's also on mobile platforms. So, but it is really. It, it's a really interesting because. It kind of feels like an adventure game, and you have to make money to support your family, your family's poor. <laughs> okay. so every time you mess up, you get a, you get docked in pay, and if you mess up too many times, you get thrown to jail. Wow, so you have to be careful with that. So every day, they add a new rule. so on the second day, they say you need a visa. After the second day, they say, no, the visa is not enough. Now you need this special document besides the visa in your passport. After that, it gets more complicated and people try to bribe their way in. Like, for example, I had this one interaction with this this woman who apparently was running away from a brothel. And she was... uh, she was saying that a friend of hers is also going to come through, and she's not going to have the right papers, but we have to let them through anyways. Okay. You have to be very careful about that because, if, because you get caught very easily in this game. Okay. They'll send you a notification right away if you messed up. Wow. Like you get like a telex, like this is your first strike. Be careful with who you let through. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and you have to be careful because there are weird people that want to get through and cause terrorist attacks in the country. And there's this oh, this there's a hilarious one. There is this one guy who trips, who keeps trying to get through through the border with the most fakest of fake papers ever. Yeah, it's like so clearly fake, and the dude clearly looks like he lives under a bridge yeah. and he keeps trying to get through and then you keep having to deny him and he keeps saying but why i have the right paperwork <laughs> and it's like no you have a napkin that says that you're from a country that doesn't exist and the country is even spelled wrong oh wow <laughs> <laughs> okay no, but this was okay no you need a passport this is just a piece of paper but I have a passport. No, you just drew it with crayon. Wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, that guy keeps coming back like every other day, too. It's hilarious. Nice. Yeah, so I mean, like I haven't gotten that far in the game because it keeps getting more complicated, and I keep getting game over, and my family keeps dying. So yeah, okay but um i i would recommend that one too um like if if you want something that's not um you know not the your normal typical game i recommend playing that one uh i'm curious now i've heard this always want customs like like just check out the like if you check out the trailer alone you're gonna be like what is this okay but uh don't don't let it uh don't let it um scare you away man okay. try new stuff it's cool okay. it's cool
1: nice uh i have uh, mm-hmm. this is a classic this x human revolution on it oh snap yeah. really I, I can't i think i remember i mentioned it in a hidden gem once but yeah you, remember did. you did when i first played this game on pc it just blew me away it was because this acts like maybe 10 years ago, Deus Ex came out and it made like this huge impact. And a lot of people were impressed. It, it was considered one of the better RPGs ever co- uh, that have come out. And then after that, they made a few games that didn't actually live up to what people expected. So it was yeah. pretty silent for around Deus Ex for a while. And then in 2011, Eidos came out with Deus Ex Human Revolution, which like completely um, changed the way the game was played. Uh, you play as Adam Jensen, who is this security personal security operative or a bodyguard for this high ex, uh, high level ceo um your the game is set in the future and people are getting augmentations to either deal with a disability or also to enhance their body so that they can live better or do more with those things of course people are like up against it they're saying hey um we're created by god in in a certain way, and we should stay that way, because people can also prolong their lives and in a way become immortal. And you know, part of the public is against that. And so a terrorist attack happens, um, you almost die in that attack, your one of the top researchers in the in, in the company that you work for gets kidnapped, um, and you wake up weeks later, suddenly eighty or ninety percent of your body consists out of augmentations, because otherwise you would have died. Uh, It's not actually a choice you got to make. It's that one was forced upon you. you. And then as as you progress through the game, you learn new unlocking abilities, you uh, enhance the AUGs you already have. So you can, for example, get an ability that when you jump from a high uh, area, you land, normally it will make an impact and enemies in the area would hear you. And then if you unlock a certain ability, it'll be like you're this ninja that softly hits the ground and they (laughs) can't hear you. Or that, for example... Your suit has non-lethal... You can always approach missions from non-lethal perspective or lethal, or you can start off with one and end in the other. So you can start off as like a a, a secret ninja, and then you can end as Rambo if you want. Um, The game also has a lot of RPG dialogue options, so you can interact with a lot of characters. And the levels were pretty big and expansive. It almost felt like a mini open-world game uh, at times when playing it. The only critique people had at the time were that the boss fights really weren't boss fights or that it really wasn't that ah, difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah I um, remember
1: that. Yeah, That's something they did fix in the sequel, which came out a couple years after that, called uh, Mankind Divided. Um, I haven't finished that game. I bought that game on my PS4 and I tried to play it twice already, but for some reason I thought the game comes in between and I stopped playing it. But this mm-hmm. is one of those games that I would definitely recommend for to people to play. Um, it is just a beautiful game, and it takes up a lot of time. And if you're into RPGs with a modern twist, it's kind of like if you're getting ready for Cyberpunk 2077, this is a game it's you can play primer. yeah. in the yeah. meanwhile to kind of bridge the gap and then the sequel as well. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, my next game is FTL Faster Than Light. Um, this is one of those games that, again, is very unique in its uh, play. Um, if you, if you've ever wondered what it's like to be on a starship, a la, um, what's it called again? Uh, Star Trek.
1: Star Trek. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is kind of like that, but top down, and you have to explore the galaxy with your uh, faster than light engine and you have to maintain everything so you you're in control of the whole ship you're in control of the crew you tell them what to do on the ship um, where they need to go every cool crew member has their specialty so for example if you want um, if you want someone to maintain the shields they have to have that they have to have that skill um, at a certain level so that they'll do the job right. Um, someone who mans the guns, someone who does security, um, someone to pilot the ship, um, someone who's in engineering, of course, to make sure that everything that you know, if there's damage, that it gets fixed right away. Um, your ship can get boarded, which is really creepy. When that happens, because if you in the beginning it's not that bad because you can see where the enemy is, but if they if they shoot down your um, Your monitoring devices. That means every room on your ship that does not have a person in there blacks out and you don't see who's in there or you don't see what damage that area has until you send someone in there to to see what's going on. So sometimes what can happen is really creepy is that if the enemy shoots a hole in your ship and you don't know it's there and you're sending one of your crew members there they might get sucked out into space <laughs> which is horrifying to see i mean they're just tiny blobs on the screen yeah because it's all top down but it's so horrifying to see or when an enemy boards the ship and they start attacking they just shoot their laser guns until your en- uh, until they are dead or your crew member is dead i've seen the list the game pop up on a lot of lists for and it, games like of it's the decade, very so It's very intense, and it's basically a roguelike. So whenever your ship gets destroyed, you get a new ship and you start over somewhere else. And you go through the whole process again because you have to get to, um, I think you have to get to this point eventually. And basically, whenever you win, you get, you know, you get money, you get parts and stuff like that. And you can eventually upgrade your ship to a better one with a better with with more space and better weapons and you can hire more crew members to outfit your ship and make your ship better and get into dogfights and stuff like that and the dogfights are not that are not that complex looking but when you realize that you have to manage every little bit of your every little bit of your ship, it gets complicated and it gets stressful in a way that really gets the blood pumping and being like, oh, this is what it feels like to be a captain of a starship. Nice. And there's another game that's on this list that I'm going to get to um, later. But suffice to say that this this gets that managerial part of being in a Star Trek-like ship, uh, Star- being a captain on a Star Trek like ship more than that one does, but yeah, the the I totally recommend this. I think this got ported to other systems as well. Um, I think it's on the Vita, and I think it's on mobile. I saw it in the App Store. I, I think I'm I'm pretty sure way. it's on iPad. It, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's on iPad. But um, and I think like if you're playing it on iPad or if you're playing it on PC, I recommend it that way because you have better control over it because of the touchscreen nice. or you know, the mouse use.
1: OK. Yeah.
0: Um, I have The Witcher 3
1: on my list, Wild Hunt. I
0: played that on PC.
1: Uh, yeah, I uh, got it uh, together when I bought a new graphics card at the time. I bought a GTX 970, I remember. And I got uh, the, the game for free with it. I was like, I've never actually played a Witcher game, so um, let me try it. Uh, I was really amazed because I remember when The Witcher was uh, announced, The Witcher three. It was uh, I remember seeing a trailer at the Microsoft uh, uh, Xbox conference at E3, and I'm like, okay, okay, this looks nice, but it looks a bit too good to be true. And then eventually, mm-hmm. when I started playing the game, they really delivered on the promise. Um, the, for people that don't know, The Witcher is a game set in in a fantasy setting. You are a, a witcher, a kind of genetically engineered mutant person you're basically a monster hunter um and there's not a lot of you there's a few and you just travel the land and pick up bounties and kill monsters slay monsters for the populace it's a it's an open world rpg it's it's a really big big expansive world um you can go all out um that's kind of the 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 tricky part about this game you can get distracted so much Uh, and the (laughs) world is is open from the beginning so you can go anywhere you want Uh, from the beginning so it's not like the game unlocks part by part uh you have a horse so you can use that to travel around um a horse called roach yeah a horse called roach uh and it's a true rpg so you have like weapon upgrades and you're you're, you can level your character up because for example you have um you have enhanced abilities because you're a witcher so you also can use magic instead of just melee combat you have a normal sword for human enemies and a silver sword for uh, monsters. Uh, you can change your armor. Like it's like it lets, it's a true RPG. A lot of people know the game, so it's it's not like I'm talking about some unknown game. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is I was just mentioning it to you is that the original game came out in 2015 on modern day consoles and PCs, and it took four years for them to bring it to the Switch. So it really made me laugh when I realized that. I'm like, oh wow, okay. Um, But hey, I'm happy the Switch audience can finally enjoy this game four years after it's been initially released.
0: Well, to be fair, I'm still on the fence on whether I should get it on Switch or on PC because, you know, around this time of year, they always have those Steam sales. So Yeah, I yeah. think yeah. I I have considered buying it on the Switch because then I could take
1: it with me on the go. Exactly. But... It is one of those games that you want to be able, you want to play that game in the highest fidelity that you can because it's such a beautiful game. So that's true. If that's there true. is a way, for example, it's also available on PS3. So like instead of maybe pay, playing it on PC, play it on PlayStation. or oh, sorry, PlayStation Four. I was about oh, to sorry. say, man. Uh, I'm <laughs> confused. My bad. Witcher 3, Switcher, PS3, well, it's available <laughs> on PS4, so um, play it there because that way at least you have kind of like the middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Um, My next one, I, I'm going to be straight up, like, my PC list is mostly, like, off-the-wall titles Um, because my next one is Kerbal Space Program. It's probably, if if not my favorite PC game of the decade, it's up there. I didn't play it, but it's a really nice game. It's... Well, here's the thing. Kerbal Space Program is... I can't, in good faith, call it a game. But because of what it what we're talking about, let's say it is. It is a very fun space simulator. And a very accurate one at that. Because it was made in conjunction with, um, I think, former NASA scientists. So they actually got the the the, the 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 physics right. And the whole space travel and the whole rocket science part is really accurate. And it's so crazy because you start out... Because the way that you can play the game is one way, two ways you can do it. You can play it in a story like structure or sorry, not story, mission like structure. So you get parts piecemeal, and they explain to you what the parts do and why these are different. Or you can just say nuts to that and just go into the creator mode. All the parts are available to you right away. It's a bit overwhelming when you do that, because if you don't know what you're doing, you'll just be creating really bad rockets. I've seen a lot and, of videos on YouTube, and people make the the craziest things. And if you follow the like, if you follow the the Kerbal Space Program community, and you try to re- replicate those rockets, good luck because it's not easy to replicate them. Because if you do not understand what you're doing, just trying to mimic what someone else is doing is not the way to go, because you'll never understand why you are messing up. I would recommend starting with the mission with the missions doing it that way. So did you understand how the parts work and why they work the way they do? And then throw yourself into making some really weird, obscure rockets based on video tutorials. But yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's, I've had, I think the most fun on PC with this in the past decade, um, outside of some other games, um, and that's just because of how fun it is to just try and go into orbit. Like getting into orbit is like the biggest challenge. But when you do and you're able to get in orbit, get out of orbit, land safely, it is the most exhilarating thing that you might even imagine. And the best thing is that you can get to the moon. And that's the that's one of the most challenging things because getting to orbit is peanuts compared to getting to the moon because you have to figure it this way you have to get to the moon you have to touch down safely be able to get off your ship get on your ship take off from the moon and get back to Kerbal which is that plant the name of the planet it's called Kerbal that's why it's called Kerbal Space Program and your astronauts are the goofiest things <sighs> goofiest looking characters ever The the race is called, uh, um, no, the planet's called Kerbins. So, you know, they're Kerbs. And they all have, like, these funny names, like Bill Kerbin and Lisa Kerbin and stuff like that. And it's so hilarious and fun. They all look so super dopey. And they're like, ah, oh, wow, look at it, stars. And it's so ridiculous and just, you ah, oh, it's so good. Oh, just talking about it, I want to play it again. I want to boot up my PC and play it again. <laughs> I saw that uh, they announced a sequel this year. Yeah, they did. And I can't wait. I think they said that it was coming out next year. Oh, I, I think it's going to be one of
1: those early access uh, games again.
0: I don't care. I bought it early access and I, that's one of the few early access games that I played that I do not regret one bit. I, because I got it relatively cheap when it was still cheap in early access. And then when the game finally came out, I was like, wow, that's what the actual cost is. Wow, dodged a bullet there. <laughs> still, for the 30 I think it was 30 bucks when it finally came out, it's still worth it. I like, think it's still worth it. You do need a pretty decent rig to play it. So if you have a decent rig, you can do it that way. I know it's on PlayStation 4. Don't 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 hamper yourself with Con- with With controls, just get it on p c You need the mouse accuracy for this one
1: okay uh, I have a game I think you have it on your list as well. It's a game made by Bioware in the days that they were still an amazing developer. The game is called uh <laughs> shots fired <laughs>
0: uh,
1: maybe it's uh their parent company that's uh... Pressuring them into things. It's a game mm-hmm. called Mass Effect 2. Uh, Ooh,
0: yes, yes I played yes.
1: that on PC and I loved it. Um I finished the first one, I finished the second one, I never finished the third one. Um mm-hmm. Mass Effect 2 picks up where one left off. You're uh a space explorer to put it that way, called uh I believe John Shepherd. Your last well, name is at least Shepherd.
0: The Last name is Shepard. Yeah. First name you can make it what, what yeah, you want Yeah,
1: and um so basically the, the galaxy has been on Earth. We've discovered technology in ways so we can colonize the rest of the galaxy, or we can at least explore the rest of the galaxy. Um, we've come into contact with different races. Um, we're even part of this kind of United Nations for outer space. Called um, the Citadel. Called the Citadel. Um, and so... Stuff happens in the game and you're out there exploring what happens at the beginning of the game. I can't remember properly, but I believe in the beginning of the game you die and then somebody kind of brings you back.
0: Yeah, so the thing with Mass Effect 2 is basically after Mass Effect 1, after you... Spoilers for Mass Effect 1. Um, basically after you find out that there's this um, race of beings as ancient as time itself... Um, is coming out to to wipe out all life, Um, it's basically up to you to um, get a big enough force to fight them. But before that happens, you get killed um, by someone, and then you get cloned with your memories. Yeah, that's kind of... Which is, which is super weird because basically your character is dead from the first game, but they revive them, in quotes. And, well, that, that person is not physically the same person because it's a clone. They still have all the memories and you still interact with people as if you've known them for years, but you're still a clone. And there are people there that said in the early game are like are you sure you know who i am and stuff like that and if you haven't been playing attention in the first game you might be like who are you again <laughs> it's like oh yeah you're that guy yeah so yeah so that's how the game starts and basically it's um you're working for this guy who's called oh my the God, elusive man the elusive man and he's yeah. the one who brought you back and you're working basically for him because he's like i want to save the galaxy and He's being super suspicious and he's being played by uh, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, if you know who Martin Sheen is and the characters that he plays, would you trust him? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying man yeah. if, if you if you're like oh hey that's martin she, okay he's gonna yeah, he's yeah but it's, it's like it's a really nice game because it's like a proper rpg you
1: build your own crew yeah. out people yeah, can actually the, die in your crew exactly
0: yeah and this is the other game that i was talking about that was star trek like yeah that's this yeah so if you want that more gritty rpg rpg um you know dialogue options, uh and diplomacy and being either a paragon or a renegade. This is that game. Yeah.
1: And it's really yeah. cool that like the the choices you make are really extreme. So it's not like that the story takes a small twist. You the game has multiple endings and you can like mm-hmm. miss out on complete parts of the game based on your choice, which is really nice.
0: Based on your choice, based on people you recruit. Yeah. Based on people that die during the mission. Yeah, yeah, you get a lot of different endings. They really, and even based awesome. on the, even based on the people that you date in the game, because yeah. there are romance options in the game. That's, That's really... always been a big part of uh, BioWare games. I wonder and, why. Uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: uh, it's it's not very so an anthem, but uh...
0: yeah, but yeah, the like Mass Effect Two was really good. I totally agree with that. I think, um. Yeah, that was one of the better games that I played this past decade as well in terms of, like, Western RPGs. Um, that might be my favorite Western RPG of the past decade. I'm not really sure. I have to come back to you on that one.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, I have a few more left. Do you have a few more left? or?
0: Yeah, I have a few more left that I just kind of want to run through before, um, before I go to the next segment. Okay. Um... Uh, I I would love to get more in-depth in this, but maybe I'll do it as a hidden gem. But the Stanley Parable is a... Um, what's it called again? The engine from Steam Source. This is a source engine game. Um, so, you know, it uses the source code. And it's this narrative-driven puzzle game where, um, well, you have choices that you can do and you have multiple endings in them. Um but it's all in favor of this narrator and whenever you try to go against the grain the narrator the narrator responds to it and that is like one of the best things ever so recommend looking that one up um if you're uh, into PC games uh, again choosing stuff that is like specifically PC and off the wall um recommend that one um the other one of course um, I know that we're I'm just going through this real quickly, but I honestly don't really need to talk about this game. Minecraft is 10 years, <laughs> and we know we know the story of Minecraft. This team in Sweden made this game, and Mojang, and they all got, were, the main guy got really rich off it and sold it to Microsoft, and now it's on every platform imaginable. <laughs> And I played it on PC first. And, because, and honestly, I still think that the PC version is still the better way to go just because you can play the old Java versions. And those have a lot of different mods that are really fun to experiment with. So that's Minecraft. Um, I played Dark Souls on PC. So that's my experience. The only thing I want to say about Minecraft, uh, Minecraft sorry, about Dark Souls is um, Blighttown can go suck it. And, um, when I finally beat that stupid area, the boss that's in that area, I will be a very happy man. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about with PC is Red Faction Gorilla. Um, I'll bring that up in another hidden gem as I well. I love that but game. Suffice to say, Red Faction Gorilla is probably one of the best destructive games that I've ever played in the past 10 years. And I haven't seen any game that tops that. Same. I mean, I mean... Um, what's it called again? Battlefield um, Pack uh, Company? No, uh, no, 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 not Battlefield Pack Company. Um, the game that came out this year, um, Crackdown Three, oh. tried to be, tried to be like, oh, we have destruction, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. If you can't beat Red fashion Gorilla, you cannot claim that you're doing that stuff. So yeah, Red Faction Gorilla still has the best destruction in gaming since the past ten years. I hope the next generation brings us something better.
1: I remember that you could blow everything up. That's what's so cool. Oh, about everything. That's yeah. the fun part. Yeah, that was really The
0: only downside is because the first game of this list, the, of the red fashion games, had terraforming. And with Gorilla they took out the terraforming and put in destructible environments instead. Yeah. Which I'm really curious, the, like having and terraforming and destructive environments, what that would be like. Uh, I I think they re-released the game. It was called Remastered Edition, I believe. Uh, good, yeah, yeah. I bought it on Switch. I yeah. bought the Remastered version on I Switch.
1: I have. I think it's also available on PS Four. It was like a while back that I thought, hey, I might actually want to buy this game.
0: But that name is so bad. Yeah, it's Remastered. Just really
1: bad. Ugh. Yep.
0: Oh well. Please, I'll, stop. Uh, please, please stop that. Please uh, stop being uh, cute. That I'll
1: rapid fire through my list. Um, <laughs> I have player unknown battleground on it or PUBG. oh okay yeah so um a lot of people know the lone fortnite for a battle royale game which is like this really popular game now um mm-hmm. i think initially it got kicked off with either PUBG or the mod the creator for PUBG made in day um so what it is, is battle, PUBG is a battle royale game. You have this huge map, 100 people drop in, and you can either play in squads. It's the first battle royale game. It's the first battle royale. That's why it's on here, not Fortnite. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: you drop <laughs> in, you know, you can either play singles, co- duos, or squads, and then it's just up to you to um, survive and be the last man standing. And the funny thing is, is I like this game more because it has... F- that more of that hide and seek element in it than for example with uh, uh, Fortnite, because there you can just build stuff. And so you, you can usually see someone already because you see a structure, for example. Whereas in PUBG, it's, if you're playing all by yourself, it's completely silent. You don't know what's going to happen. You're constantly on alert. And then all of a sudden you get shot from somewhere or you're in a house and you hear footsteps, but you can't see that person and you're constantly mm-hmm anticipating a door to swing open and, and and someone to jump in front of you. It's so tense. And I've had many moments in which I was playing the game and that I that somebody just started shooting at me or that I was just surprised by it that I started to scare and I get these jump scares because you don't expect somebody to just suddenly pop up out of somewhere. I can remember a while back, I was playing it with a couple of friends of mine. It was the first time I was playing with them. And then we were like in the last... We were the, were the another squad, we were the last two squads, and the map was really small. and then we had survived to the last part, and all of a sudden we we get attacked by this squad. One guy of my team dies, and then the other one shouting in my ear, over there, over there. I'm like, where, where? You know, and then he gets shot. And I'm like, oh no. And i like, oh shit. And I'm standing there with my gun, like, oh no. It's one guy left from the other side. It's me. It's a one on one. I can't see him. They're shouting in my ear. I'm trying to see the guy, and I see this helmet pop up out of behind the hill, and I just start shooting, and I get the guy, <laughs> and it's winner winner chicken dinner. And like, I'm so. I, I was. I, Surprised at that moment, so they're like screaming in my ear like, "Oh, you did it, I'm like, "Yeah, I did it, and I completely didn't expect it and that's what <laughs> that that works what's, what's what makes this game so fun, and it's scary at the same time, so that's why it's on my list mm-hmm. um another game I have on my list is uh two Total War games, Shogun Two and Rome Two. I've spoken of plenty about these games, a lot of people know and I'm a fan of these games um If We don't have a lot of strategy games these days, and the beauty Mm. about Total War is it's a combination between civilization, so the management part of uh, of an empire or building an empire, and there's also some real combat in it. You can have these big battles with thousands of units on the screen, which makes it really, really nice. Um, I played a lot of Total War Three Kingdoms this year. Um, I haven't played it the last few months, but I'm intending to pick it up again because there's some expansions coming up. Um, I, for example, I'm a huge fan of the, the era set in Japan and in Rome, so that's why these games are on there, because you have like the samurai and the Roman Empire, which are these, of course, known moments in history, um, and there's enough differences between the games to make every game stand out and be like this unique experience. Um, so if people are looking for this kind of game, then this is definitely a remand. Definite, like, it's also funny that the initial Rome Total War, so the first one, came out on the on tablets a while back and on smartphones um mm-hmm. and it's a perfect fit for touch screen i never expected it but it really really plays nice um i finished the whole campaign on my uh, on my ipad and uh je- often i would just say like i'm on the couch and like okay let me just play one hour of this and then uh, i'll uh, go to bed and then i will look on my watch and it would be three or four hours later like oh crap i've just played for hours you know it's it's so <laughs> how much fun it is um and the last game I have here is Tomb Raider. Um, oh, yeah, I've I've never been a huge Tomb Raider fan. So I've like I skipped out on the whole franchise on PS1 and PS2, cause it just wasn't my game. But then a couple of years ago, they kind of rebooted Tomb Tomb Raider. Uh, I played that one on the PC, and I loved it. It felt more like an Uncharted kind of game. But and that's mm. that's some, that's something the game needed, in my opinion. Um, you were stranded on this island as Laura Croft, and you just had to find a way off the island and the The more you got to know of the island, and the deeper you got to get into the island, you figured out that it was this this Japanese island with some some empress that was being worshipped by the people, and there was something strange or paranormal going on on the island um It was cool that there was this nice balance of puzzle solving and combat and stealth action and you could pick your own playstyle if you wanted to play either as a, a running gun kind of person or more like a climb up somewhere and shoot them with your bow and arrow which was really nice um yeah. the game did get two sequels shadow of the tomb raider and rise of the tomb raider or the other way around um i played the second one i have the third one but i haven't finished that one yet um i like them all three but it's more like the first one that really stood out for me because it made like this big impact because i didn't expect it i had zero expectations going into it whereas the second and the third one were more like the same as the first but adding on top of that
0: yeah well the second one actually had tombs in them yeah (laughs) so you know gotta have tombs if
1: you're a tomb raider true true uh yeah so and i don't know what they're gonna do next but uh you know it's a really nice game and i would definitely recommend it to people they also brought it over to uh, ps4 and xbox one so uh, you can play it on your preferred platform
0: yeah all right cool um anything else you want to add that's it all right so that was our pc segment stick around and we'll be right back with the next segment <laughs> And welcome back to another X uh, segment of this Decade in Retrospective. Uh, the, seg- the 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 part that we're going to p- talk about this time is the Wii, Wii U, slash PlayStation 3 era of gaming. Um, Sean Templar, what do you have lined up for that? Um, I have a lot, so uh, I'll have to see what the best one to
1: start off with is. I think... I'll start off with Resistance in, with the Resistance franchise and maybe specific Resistance Fall of Man.
0: Mm-hmm. Um it was Wait the, when did that come out?
1: It was the Oh wait. Ah. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Okay, then I'll just grab like uh Resistance 3 because it came out like uh, later. Um it's one of those games that got its it started its life on uh, PS3. Um mm-hmm. it is uh, a game in which it's set in an alternate his- version of history in which i believe the second world war never happens um and an alien race kind of pops up out of nowhere and humanity faces off against that alien race um in the third version uh, the first version is set in England the second version is set in uh in the United States in a bi- in the bigger known cities and the third version is also set in the United States. But whereas in the first version, it's like this massive human army fighting against uh, the Chimera, as the enemy is called. And the second one, the the states are being invaded. So they kind of try to fend off the attack. In the third version, the Chimera kind of won the war and humanity is stretched out thin. Um, and they're more like uh, guerrilla fighters instead of this, this fully fledged army trying to um defeat the uh the chimeran invaders um in the first two you play as Nathan Hale and in the third game I uh forgot the guy's name um you play as a different character you um finish off Nathan Hale in the second game and then this character takes over uh just quickly look up the guy's name again
0: Resistance
1: 3. Resistance 3 blah, 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 blah. It's been a while since I played Oh, Oh, uh,
0: Joseph Capelli. Yeah, Capelli. So Capelli,
1: um, you're in this kind of New Orleans kind of swampy setting. You start out with that. Um, the cool part about Resistance is also that the developers behind it, Insomniac Games, they kind of brought their expertise around weapons to this franchise as well. So if you've played Ratchet and Clank, you know that um, they always came up with goofy weapons. And Mm -hmm. here they not necessarily did have goofy weapons, but they had interesting weapons. Um, And they would also have like a primary fire mode and a secondary fire mode. So for example, you'd be able to shoot with a revolver, but that revolver would also have explosive rounds. So then it would pin to an enemy. And then if you hit the secondary fire button, it will cause an explosion. Um, Yeah. The game, the, the tricky part is, is um, Sony doesn't have a lot of 1st person shooters. So it's this and it's Killzone, and that's basically the only 1st person shooters that are really good that Sony has. Mm-hmm. Um, and Resistance 3 is a really good game. It just didn't deserve, get the attention it deserved. So it kind of, I don't know if it disappointed from a sales point of view, but it didn't like really live up to uh, the expectations. And after that, it kind of died out. Um, around this franchise. The Insomniac has said that they are done with Resistance and they have no intention of returning. But if Sony, who owns the IP, wants to do anything with Resistance, they will definitely are free to do that. Um, Resistance has had some adventures on portable devices. So, for example, on, uh, on PlayStation Vita, it got a, a first shooter game that was uh, also uh, interesting. You were kind of like a firefighter, being dragged into the into the battle and it had these motion controls or these uh, touchscreen controls kind of things added to it. it was developed by uh, a smaller developer. Um, the guys behind Days Gone... Burning Ga-
0: Skies, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, the guys behind uh, Days Gone Ben Studio also made a Resistance game uh, for the PSP, I believe. Um, and that was uh, kind of inspired by Scythe and Filters. Oh, that was a really good game, but Sony hasn't really touched upon Resistance since they switched over to PS4, whereas Resident & Clank, for example, got an outing on PS4. It was a little bit of a bummer that they didn't do anything with this game, or with this franchise, at least.
0: Yeah, who knows? Maybe in the future. I mean, the last game was the Vita game, so... Yeah. Yeah. I do remember from, like, the second one, it was, like, really,
1: really expensive. It had this single-player campaign, which was really nice. It had a huge co-op campaign, and it had multiplayer so hmm. oh, yeah. yeah but that's my first PS3 game
0: yeah well I'll uh, go to my only PS3 game uh, the rest is uh, Wii and Wii U and that's Journey and the reason why I put Journey on my list, um, actually it's on, it was on top of my list um, it's not a long game it's I never very played brief. it. Okay. If you were to sit down for it, you'd probably be able to beat it in three hours or less. Really? Yeah, it's that short. But the experience that, that you leave with is one that will probably stick with you for a long time. Because there is zero text in this game. Everything is either um, shown to you through cutscenes or through gameplay. And the unique thing about Journey is that it has this weird multiplayer aspect to it. Well, weird, unique. It has a very unique multiplayer aspect to it where you will run into other people in the game world, and you can choose to interact with them or not. So... In the early game it's just you and then suddenly you'll see someone or hear someone in the distance because you only have 3 buttons you use in this game. You have the jump button and you have the signal button. Um actually just two. Yeah. Jump and signal. Those are the only two ones you really use. And you can use the signal button to interact with the world, but the signal button is also a cry so you can hear when someone is letting off their signal and everybody's signal has a unique icon so you can see someone like sending off their signal from a distance you can see like the little icon in the distance if you're seeing them or you can hear them you know through your speakers and you can choose to interact with that other person you can choose to ignore them and move on your merry way, and they'll eventually disappear from your game altogether. Um, I've played this game twice from start to finish. And the first time I played this game, I played it in, in spurts. I played it in chunks. Um, so I played with multiple partners during that first time on the PlayStation 3. And the first time I finished that game, I went through the story. Um, I'm not gonna spoil it. I feel like the story of whatever story there is to experience in Journey is one that one should experience themselves. But I will say this: at the end of that game, I I was really missed. Yet I I even shed a tear at the end of the, the end of the journey because not because the journey was over. But what you have gone through as a player, and how you you see through these backflashes, um, what has become of this character's race, and you finally making it there, is just is very beautiful. And to anyone who wants to experience something deep and ethereal, you'll 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 get you'll get your money's worth from a uh, journey.
1: Wow. I have it on... uh, I think it was on PlayStation Plus
0: once. Yeah, it was on PlayStation Plus a couple of months ago. But I never actually played it. I would recommend it, yeah. And I would say let's play together, but like I said, it just randomly pairs you together with someone else. So unless you're able to figure out how to pair yourself with another player that you know, it's pretty much impossible. Okay.
1: I'll have to try it out sometime.
0: What else do you got for us? Um,
1: it's really hard because there are like a real a lot of good PS3 games out there, so I have to like really be picky on which one I'm gonna name. Um, I think I'll go with one that that really wowed me. That kind of defined. Let me put it this way: this developer defined the PS3 era for me with all their games, and I have two of their games on my list. One of them is Uncharted Mm Two, which is. uh, Among Thieves, it is one of those games that the first time I played Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, I was wowed by how pretty it was. Um, And when I played Uncharted Among Thieves, I was completely blown away, not only by how beautiful it was, but also because of the performance capture they used, um, the story that the game had. It took you all over the world. Um, you You still play as the character, Nathan Drake or this treasure hunter or fortune hunter. Um, And the game takes you all over the world. You're after um, the secret city of the lost city of Shambhala, um, trying to find something there, because you always think it's either gold or money or something you can get from there. And as you play, you kind of get to know the characters from previous games again. There's also new characters in this game. One of them is Chloe Frazier, for example. I remember that um I, I really loved the bad guy uh in this game. It was his name was uh, Lazarovich and he was this kind of this this uh, Russian or eastern um uh, mercenary. He'd had done horrible things in a war um and he was also after Shambhala and he has this huge amount of resources. You're kind of going up against him. Uh, you go for, in one of the early levels you go to Nepal for example and there's a civil war raging there. Um, you're trying to traverse through these through the city to figure out your clue to where to go next um and it has these epic roller coaster set pieces in which a helicopter chases you you're on this beam trying to cross to the other side of the building and suddenly the helicopter pops up in front of you starts shooting at you buildings come-, come falling down you're you're sliding down that building trying to catch your way into the next building um The funny thing is the game starts out with you being hurt, you're being shot, and uh, you're all covered in blood, so you kind of don't know what's happening. And then you're like walking in the snow, you fall down, and you think, okay, well, probably the character's dead, and then you go back in a flashback leading up to that moment, uh, and you play the game. Um, It's also a funny game. It's rarely that games are actually funny, but the dialogue and and the, the interaction between the characters is also Done in a fun way. Um, there's a trophy you can unlock, for example, in one of the in the Nepal map when you get on top of one of the buildings. There's a pool, and when you jump in the pool, um, your character Nathan shouts uh, around this game called Marco Polo. So he shouts to the character Chloe. He's like, okay, okay. Uh, marco and then the character chloe is silent he says ah come on you gotta play along marco (laughs) and then she doesn't say anything she says really we don't have time for this She said no i'm just gonna keep on doing this until you say uh, polo and then he says marco and then she says polo and then you get a trophy for that as well so it's like (laughs) one of these these quirky funny things in between um nathan drake is also the most unfortunate character in a game i think always when he's trying to swing across like these huge distances, he something snaps or breaks and he falls down and always hurts himself. Um, it was one of those games that really made the PS3 shine. Um, mm-hmm. And it was also one of those games the PS3 really needed to shine because in the beginning, PS3, of course, got off to a rough start. So, on uh, mm-hmm. 2, they re-released 1, 2, and 3 on the PS4. So, if you haven't played them, this is your chance.
0: Cool, cool. All right, so, uh, well, moving on to me, I guess, back again. My next one is actually the only title on my list, and the only reason is because it actually makes our cut date of 2009, which is Mad World, which is made by Platinum Games. It sounds tr- vaguely familiar. Well, if it does, it means that you have seen one of the promotional materials, and is it's it a black this... and white game with the chainsaws and the hammer and stuff. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and 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 a lot of swearing, <laughs> 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 and uh, a lot of weird stuff, and a pimp who keeps introducing new elements to the game and gets uh, gets uh, gets bodily harmed by this uh, scantily clad woman. <laughs> it Does not sound like Every something time. Nintendo
1: would want on their platform, but
0: well, um, it is. It is published by Sega, and this was one of those games, you know, back in the day when the Wii was all, like, super popular and people were trying to get a piece of the pie, and people were saying, well, yeah, you have success because you're putting out kiddie-style games or shovelware, and you had these developers that tried to prove that, you know, the hardcore games can sell on Wii, and Mad World was one of those games. And it's this crazy over-the-top game where you're a part of this um you're a cop who's undercover um and playing the and are a part of this um what was what's that movie again with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Um uh, the running man it's like the running man, okay but in video game form where you have to mo- you have to kill as many uh prisoners as possible because I think the president's daughter or something is kidnapped. You have to find out where she is through this game and you have to save her. Um, So you partake in this death tournament. Um, And yeah, yeah. Every level is different. Um, You have to cause as many death and destruction as you can. And you create multipliers by killing people in the most creative ways. For example, you can stack killings by taking a signpost out of the ground, shoving it through a dude's head. The dude is still standing, by the way, after shoving it through their head. They're stumbling around. You pick them up, for example, and then you toss them to someone else and you impale them on a spiked wall, for example, or you throw them in a garbage disposal full of... Saw blades and they get chopped up. Or uh you use you use a pole or a bat and then you slam them into a wall or s- shove them on a spike and then sh- shove it sounds them. So violent one on the for,
1: uh... it,
0: it is ridiculously like cartoony violence, and there's like blood everywhere because it's black and white, but the blood is of course red. And you can just make these ridiculous combos, and the whole point is to make as high a combo so that you can unlock the next part of the level, so that you can continue onwards. And then you have to face the bosses. The bosses are puzzles in themselves,
1: and those
0: those can get really ridiculous. And uh, oh man, it's just ridiculous. The the comedy is also great. The voice acting is hilarious. Um, The main character that you play as Jack is being done by John DiMaggio. So if you've ever listen to Futurama or Adventure Time. He's Jake in Adventure Time. He's Bender in uh, Futurama. Dude's awesome. He's, of course, also Marcus Phoenix in the Gears of War series. So if you've played that, you know who this guy is. But he does a really good job as Jack. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't sell as well, but the character was popular enough to make it into a... Another game made by Platinum, I forget what it was called again, um, I'd have to look it up later, it's not that important right now. But um, yeah, suffice to say, that was Platinum Games' attempt to make a very, very violent video game for the Nintendo Wii. Um, uh, I've never played it, I
1: saw it indeed some promotional material. And I thought, yeah, this game's never going to come out on the, on the Wii. It's too uh, violent for Nintendo. So actually, oh, it did. it did. Like, come they out.
0: promoted the crap out of Mad World. Like, Sega really, really drove it home that it was coming to Wii. Did it sell well? I think it sold okay. It didn't break the bank or anything. Uh, let me just check real quick. No, not. The film, not the song, the game. Uh let's see I mean it has a decent Metacritic. It has a eighty-one on Metacritic. Um I can't see sales numbers from here. It's unfortunate. Uh VG. All right. But suffice to say, like if if you're if you're looking for if you're looking for uh something unique to play, I think I think you can find it on eBay for a decent price so you don't have to break the bank on that as well. So if you want something different and if you felt that the Wii could use some more um uh crazy stuff, then yeah, yeah. You, Go, go, go Yeah, go with that. <laughs> uh, um, VG Charts has a total... Yeah, it didn't, it didn't even breach a million. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, yeah, it sold about 0.78 according to VG Charts. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, it sold the best in North America, though.
1: It I'm surprised. Almost a half,
0: it almost sold a half a million. i don't think it would be really popular in japan no it barely sold like it did like twenty thousand, maybe that's maybe wow yeah that's really low like europe even sold a quarter almost a quarter million so nice yeah Yeah, but that that game was really really made for the west not so much for the japanese market
1: okay
0: yeah so what else do you got? Uh,
1: let's see. I will go with Infamous. I have mentioned Infamous in a hidden gem, um, mm-hmm. and Infamous was one of those games Sony made that was uh, an open. It was Sony one of Sony's first open world games, um, and it was really nice because before that, Soccer Punch had only been known for Sly Cooper, uh, mm-hmm. and um, Infamous really came out at that moment in which it just really uh wowed everyone um and of course we were just before we started recording we were talking about infamous on the ps4 and that it was one of those first games on ps4 that mm-hmm. really showed the potential of uh of uh of the ps4 of the yeah, yeah but on the ps3 as well it was one of the games that was really nice because it you're this everyday bike delivery guy uh, an event happens and suddenly the city you live in goes into chaos. You have certain powers. You can manipulate electricity. Um, there's this strange enemy you don't know, which is called Kessler, who uh, knows everything about you and knows all the moves you're going to make before you make them. Um, and you, the cool part is, is the game has this morality system in which you get to choose good make good choices or bad choices. And based on that, it not only affects the story
0: system, right?
1: Yeah. Not only affects the, the, the game as in how the story unfolds, but also how the world looks. So uh, if you play the good guy, the the world's going to be bright and bright colors and people are going to come up to you and they're going to cheer you on, or they're going to high five you or like actually be happy around you. Whereas if you play as the bad guy, Uh, Your character reflects that. You get these dark black spots on your face. Your skin turns real pale, grayish. Um, People are afraid of you when you walk by them. They run away. The city really looks dark and dirty. Uh, They really did those things really well. And I know at the time it came out with the game prototype. So a lot of people were comparing it. But Infamous was definitely the the superior game. Also a lot more polished. Um, Yeah. I need one trophy, and then I get a platinum trophy for the game, but I just can't get the trophy, which is a real bummer. You have to collect uh, all these, these collectibles, and I can't find the last one. Uh, yeah, that sucks. But Just
0: use a watcher.
1: Yeah, I tried that already. That doesn't work. I really? My save is bugged or something. I don't know.
0: Ooh, that's unfortunate. Yeah,
1: but like... Uh, they brought out a sequel a couple years later, which was with the same character, and then on the PS4. Early on in the PS4, they brought out, infamous like Second Son Sun, was also. It was one of those first games that really showed the potential of PS4. Um, this is one of those games people just have to play.
0: Yeah, I I, uh, I got uh, First Light, which is a um, expansion turned full sequel um, on PlayStation Four. Um, I got it with PlayStation Plus, and I played through it. I actually finished that game, and it's good. I mean, I really enjoyed it, and it's really pretty because you play as this um, character that has these, not electric, electric powers, powers, but neon powers, yeah. and you can you can make these neon graffitis, and you can fly through the air, and it's really cool. Um, but I don't like the pacing of that game specifically because the 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 game is divided in these chapters and every chapter is segment is a book ended with these challenge gauntlets so that to basically test your skills and it's fine it's just i kind of wish i could just play through the whole game as is without those challenge yeah. i mean i know they have to put like boss things in there and they couldn't put a boss thing in there so they did these challenge gauntlets yeah, uh, I don't know. It's fine. I mean, it, it, it's fine. I think I liked Infamous itself better. I played a bit of Infamous too, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. This the Infamous was a good was a good game. I I hope they return to the franchise someday. Um, well, of course, they're, they're working on the Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. So who knows what's yeah. going to happen with the
1: Infamous franchise now? the funny but, thing uh, is, is they brought out infamous second son and first light really early on in the ps4 oh Nicole. yeah back to back brand. and then after that like for years they didn't do anything
0: so yeah, this so the of
1: Tsushima is like their it's i think that's the one they were working
0: on the yes yeah,
1: but then it's like a really big game generally like in a console for example all three uncharted games came out in one generation and then yeah. four came out on ps4 and then they also brought out the last of us so like mm. naughty dog did four ps3 games in one generation
0: Mhm. Oh well. Oh. Well. Each 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 um each thing, each each developer is unique, so yeah. Yeah. So for me, uh the next one I want to bring up is um another uh platinum game. Bayonetta 2. I knew it. And this one is a bit controversial. Uh I'll try to keep it brief with this one because uh otherwise we'll be here all day. But um Bayonetta 2 um, is a Nintendo exclusive, and I have to say that because it's also on Switch, and it will remain a Nintendo exclusive until Nintendo decides to publish it on other platforms, which you and I both know will never happen. But Unless they get suffice to... or something. Yeah, yeah, never going to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is a very unique position where... Bayonetta 2 probably wouldn't exist without Nintendo, because they actually shopped around Bayonetta 2, including the rights holders, Sega. And Sega was like, yeah, yeah, we, I mean, we love the franchise, but we're not really seeing the sales. If you can find someone else to publish it and pay up for the publishing costs, that's fine with us. So they shipped it around and nobody else wanted to, to get in on it, except for Nintendo. And well, that's how we got Bayonetta 2 as an, as a Wii U exclusive. And I got it in a bundle with Bayonetta 1, it was this really pretty collector's edition. It looks like a tome and everything, and it has an art book in it and one and two on disc. And it is really good. Like I've played both Bayonetta 1 and Bayonetta 2, and I feel that Bayonetta 2 is truly the superior game. It's prettier, it is fast it it's fast paced like it it like runs really well on the wii u um and the combat is it's is as insane as ever you're again playing as bayonetta um this time looking less like um uh, sarah Palin. Uh, but still, very, very, very pretty. Um okay. With a shorter, with sporting a shorter hair, and just doing her thing. And it starts off. I think it's Christmas. Yeah, it starts off at Christmas, and she's doing her Christmas shopping, and then she gets attacked by um, this organization um, from the f- that was introduced in the first game, and they're trying to. Yeah, they're trying to get to her, so they kidnap her friend Soul, um, who's also a witch like her, and she has to save him or save her. Sorry. Um, and yeah, it's it's a, it's an act it's an action game like Platinum does, and it's over the top action with cool combos and cool finishers. Like one of them is literally shoving, um, what they call an angel in quotes. Um, into a iron maiden um another thing that you can do as a finisher is um whip them into submission, which is really weird.
1: that sounds strange,
0: yeah, and um being an umbra witch, they use hair magic, so um some of the finishers uses her hair as a finisher where she um it turns into this monster that eats, that eats her enemies. It's all weird. She can well, she can turn her limbs like really into hair. Game, uh... it, it sounds really weird, but if you play it, it's like really cool and it's really pretty. Like it runs at sixty frames per second. It's a very tight action game. Okay. Yeah. So if you're looking into for getting a really tight action game in there, pick it up on 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 on, on Switch because I think that's the easiest way to get it right now. Um, I'm not sure if you could find the Wii U version if you looked for it or cared for it, but yeah, that's that. So that's um, that's a good one to look out for.
1: Okay. Um, oh my God. I think I'll do a few honorable mentions and I'll name the last one because otherwise the list is too long.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I loved Assassin's Creed 2. Mm-hmm. I loved Killzone 2, mm-hmm. even though it didn't live up to the video that initially people thought it was how it was going to look. Yeah. Modern Warfare 2. That was the last Call of Duty game I played. After that, I didn't touch anyone until anyone get off those until, games until the reboot Modern, Modern Warfare. Modern Warfare. <laughs> that, took that company too destructibility was out of this world. You could blow up everything, which really made it fun. Uh, i
0: like the character interactions in that
1: game. yeah there was one of those first games the bad company one was the first one to have a fully fledged single player and the second one took it to a funnier level it really made it nice um i hope that they there are still rumors going around that dice is working on bad company 3 i don't know i hope so
0: i seriously doubt it
1: yeah um god of war 3 also an amazing game mixed response but you know it, it ended the the saga a little bit was really nice, I love the way the 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 goriness of God of War there's one boss fight that you're fighting, and then you literally rip off the guy's head by doing a quick time event. It's just I did not expect that that would happen, so that kind of was. <laughs>
0: Nasty, but impressive in the same. Wait, but time. don't you also rip off the 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 fingernail of a titan or something in that game? You rip a lot of stuff up in that game. But like <laughs> this one was a boss battle, and then you actually see the camera zoomed into
1: the guy's head, and Kratos re- using all his power to pull that head off. So like, Ugh. yeah, because you have yeah, to seen use the head scene. as a as an object, as an item. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Heavy rain was a. Uh, was also a nice one. It got ported over to PS4 and to PC, but it's one of those games that it's more like an interactive movie instead of a game, mm-hmm. but it really does it well. It has like, it kind of sparks an emotional connection, which is really nice. Um, you have multiple endings. I platinum that game, so I saw all the endings. Um, I mentioned Warhawk in a hidden gem. It's kind of like our version of Battlefield on on PS4. Our PS3, I hope they do a PS4 remaster or something like that. it be really nice. Um, Red Dead Redemption 1 came out on the PS3. Set kind of like a bar for open world. Really nice and redefined a lot of things. Um, Grand Theft Auto Five came out towards the end of the PS3. Also a nice game. They ported it over to PS4. It's one of those few games that kept on selling. And mm-hmm. also for 60 bucks constantly, you would rarely see that game in discounts um yeah. and it's always when you look at those sold game charts you always see GTA 5 in it um <laughs> and the last game which is maybe like a no-brainer that that I want to round the list off with is The Last of Us it is Ooh, yes a game that that ended it all it like it ended the PS3 on a high note mm. um nobody knew what to expect from it um but when it did came out i remember Almost everyone gave the, the the game a 10, except Polygon. They gave it like, what, a six and a half or a seven and a half. I'm still convinced to this date that it's clickbait, that they just did it to, to draw in some people. So people are like, oh, why did Polygon give it a seven and a half? Whereas everyone else gave it a 10, you know? But anyway... Um, but yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as uh, Joel who is this fo- loving father
0: Wait, you said they gave it a six and a half they gave it a 7.5
1: yeah it's either a six and a half or a seven and a half that's what I said they gave it a yeah. seven and a half everybody gave it a ten and these guys gave it a ten <laughs> I'm telling you it's clickbait well uh, games might give it an eight yeah you know <laughs> We're not. you're distracting me we're not gonna go into that right now um you play as Joel, and you're a, you're this loving father, and all of a sudden you hear screaming and chaos. Uh, your neighbor's goes wild, and he comes into your house. He looks kind of crazy, like he has rabies or something. Turns out there's this fungus that has slowly spread over the world, causing people to kind of turn into zombies. Um, something. I'm just gonna have to tell you this because otherwise, you know, I can't not spoil it. But in the beginning of the game, you're trying to run away with your daughter, and your daughter gets shot in your arms. Your little yeah, that that
0: that part that part really got me. Yeah,
1: that that kind of sucks. And then the game fast forwards a couple of years. You're in this city. The world has adapted to the fungus, but governments and world orders and all that stuff is gone. You have smaller factions that are just trying to survive. And then there's this girl called Ellie, who apparently is has been bitten by one of the zombies, but she's immune to it. She's not infected. She's still alive. And you have to get her to a faction called the Fireflies, which are kind of like the rebels in the game. Uh, mm. and they want to develop a cure. So the game takes you on the journey in which you try to take Ellie to uh, the Fireflies. And what Ellie constantly tries to do is, is she tries to create a connection with Joel, but... Joel keeps pushing her away, doesn't want anything to do with her because he doesn't want to get hurt because he's afraid that it's going to you know, create the same situation he was in with his daughter years ago. Um, yeah. Eventually, you do get a connection with Ellie and you kind of become this loving father again. Um, in the end of the game, when you deliver her to the Fireflies, they want to kill her and extract her brain and parts from her body so that they can use that to create a cure. Um, Oh, that makes no sense. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, because apparently they need to examine a part of her brain, but to be able to do that, they have to yeah take her life because they can't do it when she's alive. And then you see that Joel is really conflicted uh, and decides to just kill everybody and run away with Ellie. Oh, okay. and that's basically what happens. Um, and and as I said along the way, a lot of stuff happens. For example, Joe Joel gets hurt, uh, so he's uh, kind of knocked out, and then you switch over to Ellie, you play with Ellie. Um, I remember that Nolan North plays one of the bad guys, so you're playing as Ellie, so you're a small girl, and you're not as strong as, as Joel, so you have to take on a completely different approach. Um, the enemies in the game are just amazing. You have the basic zombies that just run up to you and try to kill you, but for example you have clickers, which are these zombies that have the fungus has grown over their head, so they can't Uh, see they can only hear you but they're super strong so um, they make this clicking sound so you always know when they're around and then you have to be like super silent and in the beginning of the game you don't have any weapons to take them on so you just always have to evade them Uh, but you have to be really careful that you don't bump into things or create extra sounds that triggers them because otherwise they're just coming at you and if they get you they literally pull you apart and kill you Uh, and you also get to see that if you uh, if you're gonna die and then it, later in the game, you you it kind of has upgrade mechanics and leveling mechanics so you can create the shiv and that way you can sneak up to them and you can kill them in one go. There's this one enemy, I believe it's called a bloater or something like that, which a huge big enemy that has these, these fungus gases around him and he throws these bombs at you and then it's really hard, difficult enemy to kill. Um, it has a, a lot of variety in there. There's also some puzzle solving in there, so it's not constantly combat. It's a nice mix again. You also notice that some of the elements transitioned over to uncharted 4 for example um it is i think one of the best if not the best game on ps3 they released a remastered version for ps4 with higher graphics and a higher frame rate um it was a free game last month in ps plus so if you have it in your list play the game it is one of the best games out there um and hopefully in May next year, we will finally get the sequel, The Last of Us Part Two, which is looking out to be the same kind of finishing game for the PS4 era, leave it on a high note, and then hopefully we'll get the PS5 with The Last of Us Part Three. I hope.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm just going to rattle through my the rest of my list real quickly here. It's just like two games. Um, the other one on my list here is Mario uh, Super Mario 3D World which is a pseudo-sequel to Super Mario Land, which came out on the 3DS. Um, it's really cool. Um, it's also the first time you play a, a 3D Mario game in co-op. You can play it with up to three other friends, so a maximum of four people. Um, I say if you have a Wii U, try it out. It's probably the best Mario game on the Wii U. Um, plus, it has one of my favorite levels, which is based off Mario Kart. Uh, It has the music and everything. Um, And the last one is The Wonderful 101, which, seriously, like, Wii U was way too generous for Platinum Games early on. Um, But another Platinum Games game. This one is full-on published by Nintendo. No Sega doing whatever. And it is a very unique game. I think I talked about it in a hidden gem, if I'm not mistaken. So... um, I think it was like a couple of months ago. Let's go back and listen to that one. but basically, it's it, you 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 command a group of of superheroes that recruit regular people into being superheroes. That's why you're called the Wonderful 100. Um, and you have to save the world a la power Ranger style. And the cool thing about this game is that Uh, you can take up different formations. So you can take the formation of, for example, a gun and you can shoot people as bullets. You can take the formation of a whip and whip your enemies. You can take the formation of a ball, um, the formation of a weight, the formation of a hand. So you can punch big enemies and move stuff around. It's a very fun game. Um, Again, if you own a Wii U, you owe it to yourself to have a wonderful one-on-one on your list. Um, and it is one of the more unique action strategy um, tactics game. I don't even know what you would classify this as. It's just a fun romp. And the whole presentation feels like you're watching an episode of Power Rangers too. So it's over the top. It has a theme song. It, yeah, just... Check it out. It's it's fun, it's fun. So that comes to the end of this segment. So stick around and we'll be getting you to the next segment.
1: All righty, welcome back to another segment. We're gonna talk about the current gen we're in right now. So that would mean PS4 and Nintendo Switch. We'll leave Xbox
0: out of it for now. Maximilian, what mm-hmm. do you have for us? Well, um, I want to bring up one of the the first games that came out on the Switch, of course. We have to talk about this. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. I did Which... Uh, <laughs> how how here's the thing we've talked about breath of we've talked about breath of the wild a lot so i don't want to go into a lot of details the only the only thing is i have a question for you why is this not like the new standard for open world adventure games i you don't know because breath of the wild like introduced a lot of cool things that make me go why is this not in this game x game why is this not in y game because you can go anywhere you can climb anything You can fight any way you want. You can cook pretty much anything that's cookable in the game. And it is just like, you can pop in Breath of the Wild and just say, you know what? I'm just going to play an hour and just go wherever and do whatever. Like you don't have to, you don't have to go to the next boss you can just run around and try and get materials, uh, collect Korok seeds if you want. Um, I wouldn't because they're gross and disgusting. Um, but yeah, you can just like the you can just explore the wild. And the DLC added so much more to it. It added, it added more um, challenges, it added more dungeons, and it added another unlockable in the bike. The, the, the zero bike which is amazing by the way because it can climb on almost any surface as long as it's not too steep, which is really cool. So that means you can get to a lot of places more with, uh, with that but it does run on fuel and you have to put in ancient parts to fuel the the, 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 the motorcycle, which is fine, but you can at least summon it everywhere plus the DLC also allows you to summon your horse anywhere. So you can choose, you can be on your horse or you can be on your horse like motorcycle. I haven't but bought the DLC so I don't know about those things. It's so good like the final battle of that DLC that gets you the bike is so good. It's probably one of the more challenging boss battles of the game and it was it was worth it. Like I still haven't like maxed out the master sword but that doesn't really matter because yeah it's, it's it's fine like the it's it's fine like the, the the challenge the challenge missions to get the to get your to get the master sword to maximum strength is fine but uh, i don't know like i like the i like the dlc missions better
1: yeah, but i heard yeah. that uh with the breath of the wild sequel that apparently they were making an expansion pack, but it got out of hand so much and there was so much content packed in that they decided to make a sequel out of it.
0: Yeah, that's how that's how we got Mario Galaxy 2. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing happened. They were like, oh, there were this, all these levels that we cut for Mario Galaxy. Maybe we should make like this expansion thing. And then they added even more stuff. And they're like, okay, we added too much fun. they just call it a sequel and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> always good so, when that
1: happens. I mean, more yeah, content always, always good. Good.
0: It means that you get a new full game, and that's great. Um, but yeah, Breath of the Wild. Can't wait for Breath of the Wild 2. Here's hoping that it comes out holiday 2020. I think I can bet on it that it comes out holiday 2020. Otherwise, Nintendo it has, has to
1: nothing be. to counter the new consoles. It
0: has to. I'm hoping I,
1: that. I, I almost dare to bet you that they're going to release a Switch Pro or whatever and that Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be the first game that takes the full advantage of all the power that new
0: uh, Switch Pro has. Yeah. Or they'll call it the Switch Plus or whatever. Yeah, I'm so over, like, the Switch Pro rumors. There's, like, But there is so much room there's... for improvement, like a full HD I mean, display there is, and, like, I... headphones that you
1: can connect to it wirelessly. That's, like, a like, huge I... thing. That would be nice.
0: Like, I'm not saying that I wa- I'm not looking forward to something like that. I am saying that I'm sick and tired of the dang rumors. Like, if you have nothing to show for it and there's nothing going to be announced anytime soon shut it because you're just not making it special anymore
1: okay <laughs> that's all i'm
0: saying that's all i'm asking okay all right so playstation 4 title what do you uh, i have a long list what i'm gonna do
1: is i'm gonna run down the list of the games that i just quickly want to mention mm-hmm. and then as we go on i'll mention the one by ones that i really think that are good hmm. middle earth shadow of mordor i mentioned Ooh. it once in a hidden gem that game completely surprised me i I was a fan of the Lord of the Rings games early on, like the Battle of Middle-Earth and the ones on PS2. And after that, the license got got passed around a couple of times, but never something good actually came out of it. And then when they announced middle Earth Shadow of Mordor, I was like, yeah, okay, it looks fine, but this game will probably not not live up to the expectations. So I never actually focused on the game. And when the game came out, it got reviews. and was like nines across the board. Everybody gave it a nine was kind of like an underdog for me like hey okay I, I i didn't expect this so it was one of the first games i bought digitally on my ps4 and i loved it it was this cross of assassin's creed meets the witcher in the lord of the rings setting and it was really nice i, I really loved it i believe there was even a small controversy in which uh someone that worked on assassin's creed 2 i believe said that they had literally used his code for the climbing mechanic in Uh, shadow of war uh shadow of war yeah i don't know about that (laughs) part um the game did get a sequel shadow of war it did a lot of things right it improved upon the first one but the ending was really disappointing you Mm. it's based out of like on four chapters or five chapters and after chapter four it's this 10 stage turn-based kind of thing that you constantly have to defend your cities and it's just so repetitive and yeah i eventually just stopped and i just looked up the ending cuz i didn't have the patience anymore to do it <laughs> yeah so it was so repetitive so disappointing you know but the cool part about the sequel was is it added a little bit more uh depth to certain characters so for example uh the ring rates are part of the 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 game in the sequel and apparently one did you ever watch Lord of the Rings yeah, yeah yeah. Yeah, so apparently one of the ring wraiths is Isildur, the the last king of men. I yeah. didn't know that, but that's something you find out when you play it. And for example, uh another king of men uh that is in the ring wraith is uh the father of Théoden, the king of Rohan. So it's cool that you yeah. kind of get these background stories of all these characters um in the game when i saw it i was like oh wow okay i really, really didn't expect them to take this approach and they were kind of they did get the liberty So that's
0: really nice um another game the, the only disappointing thing about that is that nobody copied the nemesis system as well yeah the nemesis like, system is, is the what selling is wrong point with of this making? generation yeah. like the nemesis system this yeah. come on people yeah like Borrow stuff. Yeah, I mean not a it's not a crime. No, it's it's really good. It's
1: a lot of games could benefit from it. Um Metal Gear Solid 5, also shrouded in controversy. It Mm, was the first open-world Metal Gear game. It was a really nice Metal Gear game. It's kind of like what you say with Breath of the Wild, that everything just makes sense. So Mm. here again you can climb on everything and stuff. Like if you can think about it, it's probably possible in the game, and that's what makes it so fun um again this game also a little bit controversy the game actually didn't get all the chapters it was intended to get so a lot of people did some data mining after the game came out and apparently there were two or three chapters that didn't end up in the game which were actually crucial to the game that would add Mm -hmm. a lot more context and a proper ending um it's a typical metal gear game made by hideo kojima you know it's vague it's strange it has these freaky monsters in it um It's set in uh, Afghanistan during the war when the Russians invaded, um, and you're building out your your mercenary nation. You can uh, knock out people and then kind of abduct them and then turn them to join your army. There's vehicles in the game you can ride in, um, some cool boss fights in there. There's a boss fight early on with a huge metal gear that's in the game that you have to run away from. Again, amazing game. It was also available in PS Plus a while back. Um Titanfall 2, also available in PS Plus. Right now, I believe. It's mm-hmm. one of those Get it while you can. Get it while you can. It has an amazing single player. I only played the single player because the multiplayer is too fast for me. I love the single player. It's really a good game. It came out in a little bit of a crowded time because it came out. Oh, it, it got
0: slammed. Yeah, it came out uh,
1: shortly after or before Battlefield 1, I believe, mm-hmm. and a lot of people skipped out on it because it was jam-packed in a really tight holiday release. So a lot of people missed out on it. But it's a really cool game, has some cool mechanics in it, such as kind of like a time glove, so you can shift time or swap reality so that you can use that for puzzle solving. Um, you also have this cool connection with your Titan. Um, is actually pretty funny for a robot. Um, and there's also moments that you, for example, have to make it across a huge distance and your Titan just grabs you and throws you like you're a ball and just throws you this huge distance. You're flying through the air, making it across. Really cool game. Great single player. Uh, da, 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 da. Wolfenstein 1 and 2 that came out this generation. Also a really cool game. Um, I never played a Wolfenstein game, so they rebooted it. Um, The Germans win the Second World War. You're part of the resistance and you're trying to liberate uh, the United States. The second one was a bit more controversial for me because, for example, there's this part in Roswell and you're walking around there as a firefighter trying to blend in and then there are these KKK people walking on the street. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you actually see that. And then one of the German officers or the Germans... There walk up to one of those people and he says something like, ah, oh, you know what I really like about you? You think just like us that the white race is the superior race. And when I heard that, I'm like, wow, okay, that's pretty heavy to put in a game. And especially when you say that to a KKK person, like, okay, wow, this kind of woke me up. Um, it's, a, it's a, besides that tricky part... It's a really good game. Uh, if you're if you're just into like an action FPS game, story's mm-hmm. really fun. You know, it, it's an experience that, that for thirty bucks, for example, it will last you for a couple of hours, and you'll really have fun. Uh, yeah. Order eighteen eighty six mentioned that as well. on hidden gem, great game, cinematic experience. Buy it for thirty bucks, beautiful game. You'll love it, especially if you're into fantasy like werewolves and vampires
0: and steampunk
1: and steampunk. Uh, yeah. Um, that's the short list. One of the mentions I will make is Horizon Zero Dawn. I have spoken about this game in Hidden Gem. I love Horizon Zero Dawn. It's the first new game from Korea Games. It is an open-world game in which humanity has had to deal with a disaster and robots are roaming the world, robot animals, so such as robot cows and dinosaurs and stuff like that. You are Aloy, who is part of a tribe, and you... Are kind of an outcast. You've never been accepted by the tribe. Um, And you go out on an adventure to figure out one, what's happening, what has happened in the past, but also your way of life is being threatened by these robo dinosaurs. And you're trying to stop that from happening. Amazing
0: game. Beautiful game. game. Very pretty. Yeah. But also, like, also a game that I feel that. I mean, I've said this before on the, on the podcast. I feel that it being released next to Breath of the Wild ended up being compared to Breath of the Wild, and yeah, like Horizon Zero Dawn is way, 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 way prettier than Breath of the Wild, um, in terms of like graphical fidelity. Yeah. Um, like in terms of art style, I still think that Breath of the Wild is like freaking pretty, as pretty as a painting. Um but horizon zero dawn man i really love playing through that game i really enjoyed it i am. Um, it's, like, it's it's amazing. it's fun the, the the gameplay is solid um the story like like the story really gets you and then when you realize what what had happened and what Aloy is and what her lot in life is and ah freak, man so good i uh, so uh, really amazing. hope
1: that they're making a horizon zero dawn 2 for the new playstation
0: at this point i can't see why not uh same i, I yeah. can't see why not yeah um
1: that's my first mention so i'll give it back to you all right
0: um i'll run through a few things also really quickly um yeah i'll just run through some games that are a bit more recent so pokemon Sword and shield playing that love it um I get why people don't like the, the whole you can't collect all the Pokemon, but honestly, there are way too many of them. Get over it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, what I want to touch on real quick. Labo VR is something that I bought earlier this year. And uh, for someone who is, has been very adamant about the VR experience, Labo VR is a very unique form of VR It's also probably the cheapest way to experience VR and also the most unique way to experience VR um, because you have to build the sets yourself. You have to build the VR goggle. You have to build the Xero series that go with the VR goggle and the games that work with them. Um, It is very fun. The cool thing I want to say about Labo VR is that Nintendo has steadily been releasing new projects that you can download for free that you can play. So like mini games and uh, other things that you can do in Labo VR. Um, And you can just download them and you can watch them and you can use that to make your own VR experiences, which is the cool thing about Labo VR or Labo in general. You can program your own mini games if you want to. It's very intricate and it actually teaches you how to program, which is really cool. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about real quick was Astral Chain. Underrated action game of this year, most definitely of 2019, and most definitely one of um, Platinum Games' um, underrated games. Again, it is a Platinum game, so if you've had played stuff like Bayonetta 2, if if you've had, if you've ever played uh, Nier Automata, or uh, what's that other one again called? Um, the one that's getting a port to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Vanquish? Vanquish, yes. If you've played stuff like that, you know what Platinum is all about. It's about the flashiness. It's about the weird creatures, the weird storylines that you have to follow through. But it's ultimately about the awesome combat and the awesome combos that you can perform. So I say pick up Astral Chain. Um, I've talked about Dragon Quest XI, of course. And yeah, yeah probably one of the best Dragon Quest games uh, made in the past 10 years. And to be fair, there haven't been a lot of Dragon Quest games in the past 10 years because like more than half of them have been ports and remasters. Um, so uh, sorry, not remasters, remakes. Um, so yeah, Dragon Quest 11, if you haven't played it on Switch or PlayStation 4, Honestly, what are you waiting for? It is the best version of Dragon... It's the best iteration of Dragon Quest to get into if you've never played a Dragon Quest game. And if you're a veteran JRPG uh, RPG player, you've probably already played it and you love it. Um, The game that I want to get into um, a bit more in-depth in this one is uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate. And Smash Brothers Ultimate is as the name says i mean we've talked about it a little bit but not a lot because it came out at the end of last year um at the end of 2018 um so this i just want to get a little bit deeper into that because when smash brothers was announced for switch people a lot of people thought that it was going to be a port of the wii u game which it ended up not being because it added a lot more a lot more because it added every freaking character it's ever been in the series ever and they keep adding more characters. I mean, the DLC roster alone for this game has been amazing, but the fact that they brought back all the fan favorite characters, nobody can basically complain about the roster because it is the most like for a fighting game, this is probably the biggest roster that I've seen in a fighting game since Marvel vs Capcom 2. And that one had such a ridiculously big roster that the whole game was imbalanced. But that was part of the fun. This game is actually being balanced frequently. They frequently bring out balanced patches. Uh, Most of the time, they just wait until the next character comes down and then they patch it with new balances. But suffice to say, it is very expansive. The single-player game, uh, the single-player mode called uh, World of Light is very expensive. There's a lot of missions to do. It's a very long game, um, but if you're not into that, you can always play multiplayer and play against friends or the PC, or you can play online. So yeah, the title is very apt. This is the ultimate Smash Brothers games. If you've played Smash Brother before. Then you owe it. Then you probably. I'm. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you because you already own it. I'm talking to the people that own don't own it yet. It's a mascot fighter where all, like, all, not just all of Nintendo's history is there, but also third party characters. Sonic is in there. Snake from Metal Gear Solid is in there. Um, they put in Terry Bogard from the King of Fighter series. So if you don't know who Terry Bogard is. Just watch the video where Sakurai, the creator of Smash, explains to you in full detail who Terry Bogart is and what King of Fighters is. Um, They put in the hero from Dragon Quest. They put in Banjo-Kazooie, which nobody ever thought was going to happen because Banjo-Kazooie is owned by Microsoft. And they got him in there on good faith by Microsoft. And it's so... That's so ridiculous and unexpected! It's so amazing, and just it's you, just you know fun. That I don't have Super Smash, right? Yeah, we need to we
1: need to fix. It's that. not my kind of game, so uh... we still need to fix that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but so, but yeah, it's a fun. It's just a fun party game. Like if you just want to kick it, relax it with your friends, and just play something silly, Smash Brothers is the way to go. Okay, yeah uh, so, what's your next one, or do you have more honorable mentions? No, I
1: have had all my honorable mentions, so it's only a handful that I really think like I need some more attention. Mm-hmm. uh, let me go with the vision the mm-hmm. vision when it was announced it was it looked out of this world, it looked too beautiful to be true, too expansive to be true um. And then it got delayed, and then it eventually came out, and it did not live up to the way it was supposed to look. It was less prettier than it was in shown in trailers or in gameplay demos. And um, it wasn't as expansive as it looked. Um, but what the developers really did well is, is that they went on this campaign to kind of fix the game and to add features uh, to the game. Um, The Division 2 is a game set in kind of like modern ages. There's a a type of flu that breaks out during Black Friday and um, the whole of the United States, at least the game is set in New York in the United States, collapses, Um, order slips away and chaos arises. There are factions that take over the city. There's no government anymore. Um, You're a sleeper agent uh, from an organization called The Division. Um, specially created for situations like this and you get activated and it's your mission to take control back of New York um you can play the game alone or up to 4 people in co-op which is as you mentioned earlier as well the best way to play this game um it is basically an action RPG so you level up your characters choose your skills get uh, all sorts of of abilities and weapons you can customize your weapons and all those customization adds again to the way the weapon behaves for more or less recoil or more or less aggro for example um the game has 30 levels and after 30 levels you hit the end game then you can uh, unlock gear sets and you also have a pvp zone called the dark zone so in there um it's kind of like multiplayer with enemies npcs as well and the funny thing is is you can also betray each other so you can start out as a group and then head into the dark zone and then when for example you have better loot than i i can go rogue as they call it and turn on you kill you take your loot and then run off with it try to extract it um but also when you enter the dark zone and you're not in a group everybody you see is a stranger so Um, You can either play together or if you shoot that person, you go rogue as well. And then the whole dark zone is alerted to your presence and then people will try to hunt you down. Um, They've supported the game until the second one came out. And then this year, the second one came out. And the second one was was an even better game because it didn't promise too many things. It's Mm -hmm. set in Washington, D.C. and it just builds on the foundation of the first one um the missions are really nice um the the weapons have been improved um matchmaking in the first one it was really good and in this one it's even better so you can really quickly jump into a game and just play with other people even if it's just random strangers um they've added uh, the second raid or the third raid i think to this game and they're constantly adding content as well to the game um this is one of those live service games they call it done in a really good way and i hope that ubisoft just keeps on improving on what they've done because it's really really nice
0: all right cool yeah so i have one more game left that i want to talk about and um yeah so this one is fire emblem three houses um all i can say is that um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna talk about it in another segment if I haven't done so already. Um, Fire Emblem Three Houses um, is amazing. Like as a strategy JRPG, it is it is it is really fun, and it is one of the more darker story storylines that I've played in a Nintendo game. It starts off really nice and chipper, like everything does. That's dark. Um, the, no, it really does. Like if you think about it, every and like unless it starts off dark and gets darker, it starts off lighthearted and then you see the underlying, you get to know the underlying stuff. And I'm not going to spoil the game here. I'm not going to spoil one of the storylines here. But suffice to say that, um, basically any faction that you choose, because as the game says, you have tree houses, so you can choose one of three factions to join, to be their teacher, um, there is some underlying story stuff in there that gets really dark really quickly. And some of the, some of the supporting characters have some really sad backstories that you make that make you go, wow, really? Okay. Um, one of my favorite characters is, um, one of the few ones that actually escapes this um she's called Mercedes she's very very devout um um she is all about being you know being peaceful and stuff and not trying to not trying to um get attention or anything she all she wants is to help people less fortunate and she's like one of the pure people in the story and ah oh, she's so nice she's so sweet why are you fighting in a war <laughs> like because it like this is one of those things where it shows you the like the true um the true depth of what war can do to people forcing people that should not be in conflicts to be forced into conflict and you're like why what are you doing here you're too good for this you're you're too you're too um yeah, you don't belong here, and then they throw like a high level spell at you, and you're like, "Oh crap!" Okay, <laughs> they can fight; they can fight really well. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it's it's all about recruiting. Um, it's all about recruiting um, students to your side um, in the first half of the game, and then the game has this um, time jump. Uh, where in this, you're embroiled in this war and then you have to fight in the war in the second half. And it gets really heavy. Um, it gets really heavy because you start to get to know um, some of these students, even though you're not, they're not your students. Um, you get to start to know them and what they're about. And it gets really hard um, in the second half of the, uh, half of the game. It gets really bittersweet. Um, In terms of the story, in terms of the gameplay, it gets really hard. Um, So I had to play it on normal because when I played it on hard, I just got my ass whooped in the second half of the game. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Um, It's also one of those games that has multiple endings. Uh, If you want to get the true ending, you have to beat the first three campaigns. It doesn't matter which order you do it in. You can choose that for yourself. But um, The fact that we have another console Fire Emblem game is actually astounding, and it's a small miracle. And yeah, suffice to say, I'm glad that we have Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I hope we get to see more cool Fire Emblem games in the future. Okay, nice. Uh, it's one of those games I still want to try out, but
1: I just have to give my Switch some more love and attention. Uh, I haven't mm-hmm. done
0: that lately. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other games that you want to go in depth with because that one was my last one um yeah just a few i'll
1: try to do it fast because uh otherwise this segment is going to take long
0: mm-hmm.
1: um god of war came out last year god game of the year it definitely deserves it it is mm. an amazing game i loved it it's um, for some reason, Sony has got a lot of these games this generation revolving out a dad and a, and a, <laughs> and a kid relation or an emotional connection. Um, it it kind of... So it, if you haven't played God of War before, you can pretty much play this game and you, it's not that gonna, you're going to miss out a lot. It's only... Yeah. It's easier or more it's fun. And, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's more fun if you have played the previous games because then you know a bit more background. Um, you play as Kratos, who's basically the god of war, but now you're in um in Scandinavia. Uh, it's North Norse mythology this time. So it's like uh, Thor and Loki and all those of things kind of reminds me of the Marvel and movies and Odin. Um <laughs> and so what happens is is your wife dies and you have a son called Atreus, and it's your wife's dying wish that her body be burned and her ashes cast over or out over a specific mountain. Um, and at the same time, you're struggling because you don't know how to be a, the right father or a proper father to your kid. And your kid just wants to have a connection with his dad, he's this really curious guy that asks a lot of questions. And you as a character are constantly annoyed. Um, Kratos Usually says, "Oh, boy, 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 God, get over here, boy." That's a lot of things he says. Um, the combat's really nice. It's really gory, as you're used to from God of War. Um, this God of War feels more like an open world God of War with more RPG mechanics in there. Uh, you can level up your character really properly. There's some really cool boss fights in there. Um, as you progress along the journey, you start to develop that connection with your son. And at the end, you even find out some pretty horrible things about your son. But that's something they'll probably address in a sequel. Um, So that's really curious to see. Um, If you haven't played this game, it is worth the 60 bucks. So whatever you do, just buy it and play it. It is a game you will not regret playing. Um, Another mention goes out to Uncharted 4. I am a huge fan of Uncharted. Um, Uncharted Four really nailed it. It was kind of the it's the last game with Nathan Drake as a hero. Um, you kind of see it because he's kind of retired from the the treasure hunting, um, and he has an ordinary life. He's a a salvage diver, but you can really notice early on that he's kind of it's not the life he envisioned or dreamed, and he really misses the treasure hunting life. So then all of a sudden, your brother pops up you haven't seen him for years because you thought he was dead but he was locked up in a prison in south america and he says well you know when we were kids we were after this uh, treasure and uh, i finally found the clue because the game is set on for a part set on a tropical island around this pirate treasure um uh which was mentioned in legend so there's this by a pirate called Henry Avery, I believe, was a famous pirate, and Blackbeard and all those pirate thingies. And uh, they're all mentioned in it so that uh, you're kind of trying to dig up that treasure. Uh, so it's really nice. It finishes off the story really nicely. Um, I do hope Sony comes back with a new Uncharted game because it's something that we really miss. Um, but yeah, it's... Um it's a game that's really nice. It came out pretty early in the PlayStation life cycle. So it's been a real quiet. They did a an expansion kind of game with uh, Uncharted uh in which you play with Chloe Fraser and one of the the funny thing is one of the enemies from Uncharted 4, Nadine Ross. it's funny to see them pair up. Um I believe it's called The Lost Legacy. It was 30 bucks yeah. and it's this this pretty short experience, but it's a really nice one um also a bit more giving you freedom that you can travel around more and discover and more in the world instead of following this roller coaster ride um also worth buying um spider-man yeah what can i say about Mm. spider-man i mean it's the best superhero game that came out it just feels so nice swinging through new york um fun story great boss fights and enemies kind of like all the enemies or the bosses you hoped were in there are in there vulture scorpion dr octopus um i don't know how the, the black and white uh, um, mr negative i believe he's called yeah he's, yeah, mr. yeah.
0: Negative.
1: he's in there shockers in there um i think it's the game that kind of sealed the deal for sony to prompt them to buy insomniac so probably, that yeah. was a really good move it's a beautiful game it really really looks nice and it just feels so good to just zip through New York and that sense of speed that you have as you go through everything is just really nice also one of those games that you can't just go wrong with um, and probably a game that my,
0: that Xbox owners would really want to have on the Xbox
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, see that is a game that does take that philosophy of Breath of the Wild to heart you can go anywhere you can yeah. climb anything. Yeah. Seriously, we need more games like that. We definitely need more. So it, it's almost like,
1: it's what I mentioned before, like, there are some features that certain games introduce that become like a standard that you need to have in your game, such as regeneratable, regenerable health. That's something that, that's like a standard in games these days. You yes. know, it's, it's strange if you have to use a med pack to recover health. You use that. And there are some mechanics that are just like standards that just need to be in all open world games. And climbing everywhere, going everywhere is kind of like that
0: because mm-hmm. that's what an open world game does. Um, then again, taking the subway with Spider-Man is always fun to watch. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> especially, something that... when, especially when Spider-Man is chilling with another, like, a, like someone just in a Spider-Man costume and they're just chilling. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really fun. It's like these small details that really make it fun. Yeah. Um, it's a nice segue to the other game Death Stranding, I've been playing it um, it's also kind of like the, the the Breath of the Wild uh, philosophy that you can go everywhere that you see and you can climb on anything you see mm. um, I am more into the game now and uh, I thought I was far in because I'm at chapter 5 or 6 but I find out the game is 15 chapters so that's a, <laughs> that's a good sign um, I had this part in which I walked out and I ended up in a storm, and I got sucked up into some strange era in which I was on a bat- on a First World War battlefield, with uh, with it was just a full out battle going on, and I just end up there with all my packages, so I have to quickly grab my packages. And try to get out of the trench war that's going happening on it. It's really cool because it's really gritty and there's everyone's is is fighting and you see all these soldiers jumping over trenches, people dying around you, tanks spawning out of nowhere. Um, there's a small boss fight in there with the uh, Matt Mikkel's character. He's called uh, Cliff or uh, Combat Veteran. Um, so that was really interesting. Um yeah so i'm I'm a bit further now got to know more characters some of the characters died unfortunately um i've also changed like the scenery so in the beginning there was a lot of rocky terrain and now i've come in an area that has a lot more snowy mountains for example and also a bit more green lush environments such as forests so i really like the the variation in uh in terrain instead of just rocky terrain because for some reason, this game has a lot of rocky terrain and then it defeats the purpose of using vehicles because you keep hitting a rock with your bike, then what's the use of using a bike, you know? That's why you have to build roads. Yeah, and the roads need a lot of resources. But anyways, <laughs> it's uh, it, like it, the skeptic that I was, I've changed and I've uh, actually sort of liked this game. So I didn't expect that one coming. Um, and the last game I want to mention is Battlefield 1. And not Battlefield 5, because I've been playing Battlefield 5 over the last year. But Battlefield One was one of the first Battlefield games that after Battlefield Four and uh and uh, uh, the one with the cops hardline was kinda of, Battlefield was kinda of like in a downslope. It wasn't what people expected from anymore. And when they announced Battlefield One I was like, Okay, but the World War One era is a strange era, there are not a lot of games around that era, the weapons aren't that that cool from that time so how why did they choose this era and ex- exactly for that reason because it's one of those unexplored eras there's a lot more freedom for them to do things um so the weapons were actually really really nice instead of being this disappointing weapons choice which I would expect they had something called operations so that would be that they have multiple levels tied together so it felt like a multiplayer campaign you're walking through which was really nice and they had multiple fronts so you would have the Ottoman Empire you could fight with, but you'd also have the the Russians later being added on in DLC or the British uh, Marines being added on in DLC. You had a lot of different uh, kind of levels. so Also in in terrain, so one was in the desert and one would be in this urban environment. A lot of variation there as well. I put a lot, a lot of time into that game on PS4 and I loved it. Um, I was kind of hoping Battlefield Five would just continue that, and Battlefield Five has unfortunately had more ups and downs um <laughs> instead of a consistent experience and The funny thing is is, I would expect if you have an amazing game such as Battlefield One, you would just build on that foundation and kind of carry it over. That's not what happened um You had for example flamethrower enemies in Battlefield One, you had a gas grenade you could use so you could kind of like choke out enemies and you could counter that by putting on a gas mask. You had a bayonet charge which was awesome so you could just press r3 and then you would sprint with your bayonet and your character would scream ah and you would have more health and if you hit somebody you would just impale them on your bayonet which was this this one hit kill but so satisfying like yes you know um yeah that's i put a lot of time in that game and with that it kind of rounds off my list
0: all right, all right, okay. Um, I actually missed two things, and I just want to mention them real quickly. Splatoon 2, awesome game. Like, if you want something different in terms of multiplayer um, shooting, go with Splatoon 2, find three other friends that you can play with. Um, If not, you'll always be able to, to find random people to play with, but it is really fun to play with a group that you know. And, of course, the last but not least, Mario Odyssey, came out in 2017. 2017 for Nintendo was like a really good year for Nintendo. I was telling you that as well. And Mario Odyssey brought back that classic Mario 64 kind of exploration 3D world and kicked it up into the stratosphere, like literally and figuratively speaking. And it's it's all this, like there's, there have been a lot, lot of, exploration games and this is one of those sandbox games that kind of harkens back to the old style but adds like a whole new dimension to it as well um and it is a really fun romp like if you want to like if you're if you're feeling that mario was getting a bit stale and you haven't played odyssey yet play mario odyssey you won't regret it so with that my list is also done Um, So stick around, and we'll be right back with the next segment. And welcome back to the next segment of what you've been playing, our Decade in Review. Um, There are some things that I want to go over with before we... uh, We've, before we round up, um, I want to talk about some portable games that were uh, pretty significant in this uh, past decade. Um, if you don't mind, Tron Templar. <clears throat> Do your thing, man. I mean, I, I
1: don't have really portable games because I haven't really played a lot of portable games, but I know that you have a lot of 3DS and DS um, games, I think.
0: Nah, DS didn't make the cut. Uh, well, there's, there's one game that did make the cut. But um, yeah, I'll just run through the list a bit quickly so we have some time on that. So um, I want to start with one that I already talked about in a recent um, hidden gem, which is, of course, Dragon Quest IX. It's one of the last, as I said before in the in the hidden gem, it's one of the last games that came out on the DS, which was really significant. And suffice to say, oh my goodness gracious me, um, if you haven't played Dragon Quest IX, if you find it somewhere, put it, like put it in your DS3DS, play it. It's really fun. Uh, if you want to know more about it, just listen to the hidden gem from last week. If I, like the last episode, um, yeah. there, I get into more depth of that. Um, so that's that. Um, I, uh, also want to bring up ne- the animal crossing new leaf, which came out back way in little old 2012. True. And, uh, the reason I want to bring it up real quickly is because Animal Crossing: New Horizons is coming out next year, March of 2020, and or this year actually, um, as you're listening to it, it's the new year, so this year. Um, great, I broke continuity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's Animal Crossing has been the same thing; it's always been New Leaf introduced the mechanic that you are the mayor of the village and that means you can enact um ordinances to change the behavior of the village folk which is cool because with a lot of modern gamers you don't have a lot of time to play video games and especially something that is very time specific like animal crossing um most people if you're like if you're going to school or going to work you don't have the time to interact with your with your um, neighbors in Animal Crossing because they're already in bed by the time you get home. So you can, for example, have an ordinance where they stay up late. That also means that the shops are open lot longer, but that also means that your villagers are more active during the during the night. Um, you can have an ordinance where they pick up after themselves and keep the town neat. Um, I've done so, and my Villages full of flowers. <laughs> which is so funny because it's just flowers going everywhere instead of you know, like weeds growing everywhere. It's really nice. Um, so I'm looking forward to that that new sequel because um, New Horizons is gonna add a lot of cool stuff uh to it. Um one of the PS Vita games that I want to bring up is uh Gravity Days, which is the Japanese title, but some of you might know it as Gravity Rush, yeah,
1: which I is a PS
0: Vita title, a very unique PSV title, uh, Vita title. It's a third-person um, action game where you play as this girl who has amnesia, because of course she does, um, who runs into this cat that um, unlocks this hidden ability in her to manipulate gravity around her, so she can uh, not just herself but the world around her can become weightless. And she can shift her weight and then re-enable gravity and use that to propel herself through the air. And she can use it in combat against foes. She can, enable, she can deactivate gravity and then reactivate gravity and just plow straight into an enemy or use a crate that's weightless and then propel that to an enemy in the face. Um, that's how you face off against boss battles. And you're trying to figure out, why you have these powers and what's up with this weird galaxy cat that's like following you and why is there another girl that has the same powers that you do who clearly knows more about what's going on so that's what that's about another playstation portable game that i want to talk about is persona 4 golden because this one is a little bit of a sneak for me because it's technically a playstation 2 game but this is the port for the vita that added a whole bunch of more stuff it added a whole nother season to the to the to the game so there's more there's more interactions there's a whole lot more activities that you can do if you play persona 5 then you know what persona 4 is all about you're a high school kid who just moved into this small little town from the big city and uh murders start happening around you and your classmates and it's up to you and your friends to find out who's been doing all these murders why are people being thrown into tvs and then getting murdered and you Jesus, run into this sounds
1: like a heavy game uh...
0: it's well it, have you never played a, of course you've never played no a i don't play you're not really into the jrpgs but um yeah it's really it gets really uh intense in terms of the story but it also gets a lot of it also is lighthearted because you're a you know you're a high school student so you do day-to-day stuff you go to class you learn lessons you take tests during midterms um which is very important because it adds to your because it really is an RPG so it adds to your stats so you can build these social links you can interact with your classmates you can interact with your teammates and by interacting with them and learning more about them, you build um, you build your stats up and you can perform better combos and um, get assistance and stuff like that. It's really cool. It's a really fun uh, PlayStation Vita game. I recommend getting that. Um, the one that I wanted to go a little bit more in depth to, or at least give it a big shout out, is Fire Emblem Awakening. Because if Fire Emblem Awakening did not come out when it came out, back in, I think, 2011... No, not 2011, because it was a three-year title. 2013? Uh, 2012? Um, I think it was 2012 or 2013. It was the supposed to be the last Fire Emblem game. Nintendo was like, yo, this franchise is not doing it for us. We're giving you guys one more shot to bring out a Fire Emblem game. This was supposed to be the swan song of Fire Emblem. And then it took the world by storm. Everybody loved <laughs> Fire, Emblem, uh, uh, Fire Emblem Awakening. So much so that Nintendo was like, whoa, where did this come from? Even they didn't expect it to be this successful. Wow. And from that point on, we've had Fire Emblem for a decade, which is a lot more than the previous decade because seriously, like, if it wasn't, here's the thing, if it wasn't for Smash Brothers then the West would have never learned about Fire Emblem. If it wasn't for Fire Emblem Awakening, the Fire Emblem franchise would have died outright. So the the reason that we have Fire Emblem Three Houses, that we got Fire Emblem Fates, that we got Fire Emblem Echoes, that we have Fire Emblem Heroes on mobile mobile phones, it is all thanks to Fire Emblem Awakening.
1: Okay, wow, I didn't expect that.
0: That Yeah, so that... Yeah, that game had like the biggest impact, and it's also a lot of fun to play. It has um, it, it brings together like a whole bunch of um, series uh, mechanics. Like the the romance uh, mechanic is in there. Um, you have the future mechanic where your kids come from the future and you join them, and they join you in battle. Um, so depending on who you pair off with, the kids will have both the 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 the, the the, the stats of the father and the mother, which is really cool. So you can mix and match, you know, parents to get different results and different abilities and stuff like that. It's really fun. Um, what else? Uh Kid Icarus Uprising, one of the first 3DS games. Totally recommend playing it. Um, I really hope that Sakurai gets the chance to do something other than Smash because what I really want is a port of this game because it was a really pretty game. It came out in the early days of of the 3DS. Um, The only downside is that it was technically a dual-stick action game, but instead of using two sticks, you use the touchpad and the analog nub, and it works fine, but you can't play for long sessions without getting a hand cramp. So, here's um, to that. Um the only thing I want to mention real quickly is Bravely Default and the only reason I'm mentioning this is because Bravely Default is getting a sequel. We already talked about it in the uh, in the episode where we talk about the the um, game awards. Award. So, if you want to hear more about that, go back to that one, but again, I want to talk a bit more about Bravely Default itself. It is a very unique game because it's a spiritual successor to a Final Fantasy spinoff called Final Fantasy 4 Warriors of Light that came out on the tail end of the DS. I think it came out... I think it came out before Dragon Quest IX. Uh, And that was like a really old-school JRPG term based uh, game, which was really tough to play. It was really pretty for the DS. Um, It had that... That art that it had that art book kind of style that Bravely Default um, has mastered, Um, but that's where it started from. And Bravely Default also has that unique mechanic in its battle mechanic where you can um, default a turn. So you can save up a turn and build up a reserve of turns and then use as much as you want in one turn. So, for example, if you've defaulted a maximum of three times, you can either say well i want to use them all so you brave it hence bravely default um you can use those brave points and then attack multiple times in one turn the only downside is that if you use too much if you use too many of the brave points that you build up then you're vulnerable for one turn so you have to balance that out so that you can defeat the enemy and specifically the bosses as efficiently as possible because also enemies can default turns so they can build up brave points and hit you multiple times so that's how so that works it's really cool um the art style is really nice as i said before uh and the stories well your your typical jrpg stuff of you know saving the world Um, (laughs) sounds so original (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's a, it's with JRPGs, it's not so much about the stories, which are always fun, depending on what franchise you're following, um, but it's also about the gameplay mechanic, and that's the part that's always interesting. It's like, how can you get the most out of the gameplay mechanic in a JRPG? Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about, this one is a DS game, which also came out in the tail end of the DS which is called Rhythm the Japanese name is Rhythm Tengoku but literally translated it's called Rhythm Heaven which is a DS um game where it's a rhythm game where you have these rhythm mini games that you can that you can play set to really nice tunes some of them are actually set to J-pop tracks that are specifically made for the game which is produced by a um well-known legendary producer in Japan called Sunku. and um, he used to manage uh, one, of the, uh, one of the biggest uh, idol groups uh, in Japan called Morning Musume um, that's how I got my start in, uh, in, in J-pop uh, appreciation and yeah like his stuff is like really good and the, the DS version was not the first one the first time I played that game I played it on the Game Boy Advance. The DS version added touch controls and had really fun mini games. Um, if you want to experience that, you can just pick up um, uh, Rhythm Heaven on DS. Um, if you want to experience all the series has to offer, they brought out a best of collection on the 3DS called Rhythm Heaven Gold. So if you want to experience like the whole franchise uh, as a whole, like the best of collection, Uh, With a bunch of more mini games, get Rhythm Heaven Gold on 3DS or just pick up Rhythm Heaven on DS. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's not.
0: DS goodness. Well, DS and Vita and 3DS. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, with that out of the way, we're in 2020. Yeah. And we know that a lot of things are coming out this year. Hopefully. We also want to talk about the things that we want to speculate about what's going to come out this year. Um, so the things that we already know about. Last of Us Part 2.
1: Ghost of Tsushima.
0: Um, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, Animal Crossing, as I said, New Horizons. Um uh, halo, what's that pe-
1: uh, halo for the halo infinite xbox. for
0: for xbox um uh, what was the, uh, the god godfall i don't know if it's
1: going to be a launch title but godfall perhaps yeah
0: yeah godfall maybe, is also coming uh, to playstation 5
1: Senua's, uh hellblade 2 senua blah 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 uh,
0: senua saga senua they senua? said it was in early development so i don't know if it's if that's going to be yeah, a holiday yeah. 2020 title but those are the things that we're looking forward to. The PlayStation Five has been announced. We know that that's coming. Uh, Xbox Series X, we know that that's coming. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you, you just saw the look on my face, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just. Okay, count like this is the last time I'm gonna bring it up, and I'm, then I'm not gonna bring it up again. X, uh, like Microsoft. Hire someone better. Just hire someone better to name your stuff because should, this gets uh, this is just so, so confusing. Xbox, right, and that's it, that doesn't help the messaging. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now, Twilight Day 2020, you're gonna have parents that are gonna get, be confused about Xbox. I don't know. I'm telling you right now. I really hope that that doesn't happen. I don't want that to happen. It'll get a sales but boost to the new, to the old Xbox at least. If Xbox One X or Xbox One S or the Xbox Sad gets a boost this holiday season, I will say I told you so because I can't, I can like I can't imagine that that won't it won't get a boost in sales. Just because people get confused,
1: uh, I hope then if that happens, that retailers honor the fourteen days return period and help those parents out.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, wow, 2020 is gonna be big. I mean, we know like, <sighs> were you able to find like any other rumors for 2020? Because um, I mean, most yeah, most of the rumors uh... that I'm following is like Nintendo related, so. The, there's a rumor that uh,
1: a new Forza game might pop up at the launch of the new Xbox. That,
0: that I yeah, that I believe that could yeah. be. And yeah, I mean, yeah. um,
1: also speculation around something with Gran Turismo because uh, it's been a couple of years since Gran Turismo came out. Um, I don't know if it's going to be like a fully fledged Gran Turismo or that they're just going to port Gran Turismo Sport awesome. over because mm. the model, the car models, are already of a higher quality than what the PlayStation can handle, and um, they've already have Gran Turismo Sport running on PS5 hardware because they've used it in some of the demos of the PS5.
0: Okay, but um, do you know how well Gran Turismo Five was received? Gran Turismo Sport, you mean? Uh, sports. Sorry. Yeah, because I... here's the like. Here's the thing. When 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 Gran Turismo Five came out. Like that was a big deal. It was the problem with five is it came out too late. It came out too late, and it came out like there was too much hype before it came out, yeah. and it took too long for it to come out. Yeah, and then
1: eventually people were not excited, and then Gran Turismo Six came out. But I think the problem after Gran Turismo Four, the problem with this is that they had they have something called premium cars which are cars that are built from the ground up and have like higher textures and super details and all that stuff. And they have, I would call it regular cars, which are recycled models from older games, which have just been upscaled or retouched. But it's not the same quality as with the premium car. So yeah. they, they can boast that they have a huge lineup of cars. But if you look at how many premium cars are in there, it's maybe like a 100 premium cars. And then it's 300 older cars um grand turismo really means like a full-blown sequel that's built from the ground up and has like everything new but if you look at how they've supported grand turismo sport in all these years um i know a few people that play it and they said like the online multiplayer is really good they keep on adding content in the form of tracks and cars they both add existing tracks but they've also added I'd call it fantasy tracks. So, tracks that don't exist, but they're so good and look so real that they could have, they might have well have existed. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, they're doing a lot. And there's also still tournaments going on. And they have like the weekly challenges people participate in. So, the online community for it is pretty uh, driven and pretty big. It's just that it has been a few years since we had a Gran Turismo game. So, mm-hmm. we need that. And then, yeah, hopefully. We'll also get like a we mentioned it before a horizon zero dawn 2 at launch yeah
0: mm, do you think they would i mean considering that they were working on death stranding for the most part do you think they had like a separate team working on horizon zero dawn 2 i think they do because i think all they did was they had an they gave the
1: engine to kojima and they'll probably have given a few engineers to kojima to help out. I don't think they had like a full-blown team in Amsterdam working on Death Stranding because... I think there was a significant team working on that one, though. I don't know. I, I can't find any messaging on that. Because, for example, with uh, I read that in, uh, in an interview with uh, Sony Santa Monica. When mm-hmm. they were developing God of War, they had a few people from Guerrilla in their offices and the people from their offices in Guerrilla because Sony has this exchange of resources in worldwide studios so if there's a studio that needs help or is stuck with something because they share a lot of technology internally um, they Mm -hmm. can always lend out people and then those people just fly over to other studios and sit there for a while and help them out um, just to get to know the tools and all Um, it was pretty big during the ps3 era and it's only gotten bigger in this area because well yeah it's like this vast uh available resources to you so why shouldn't you use it when you're part of the worldwide studios family true it's even encouraged to do it so (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised if decima or something like decima becomes kind of like a middleware engine for sony internally because it's just that good
0: i'm curious i mean well with herman hills running the show now it's, it's a possibility you never know yeah um, what else do we have on the table in terms of stuff that that uh, that we're gonna that might possible reboot for too. Anthem because uh, oh, right yeah. Anthem uh, two okay. or something they're gonna do with that I think with Anthem two they have learned they have learned one they've learned their lesson two EA has learned to respect developers time the fact that we know that they're working on um fixing the anthem uh I, maybe e3 we might hear something hopefully or maybe
1: at the 1 year anniversary of the game that they'll announce the plans was that march march or february something like that yeah all right yeah um yeah, uh, I Ubisoft mean, they but... will probably come out with a new Assassin's Creed game this year because they didn't do it last year. But,
0: well, considering that they also said they were pushing a whole bunch of titles back because of Breakpoint, yeah, uh, but I cannot imagine think... them not doing anything for the holiday season. I mean, I'm assuming that the thing that they're coming out this holiday season is Watch Dogs Legion.
1: Um, I don't know if they did they push Watch Dogs Legion? I thought the release, date yeah, they pushed they
0: pushed Watch Dogs like they pushed everything back Watch Dogs, Gods and Monsters. They pushed it all back, even though they didn't have like they didn't have dates announced. Mm-hmm. They still internally pushed back those games to give the developers more breathing time to polish and complete their games because
1: the original release date for Watch Dogs Legion was March 6th.
0: Yeah. So that got delayed. So I I'm thinking, Watch Dogs gets pushed to fall. I don't
1: know. But then that will mean that Ubisoft has basically nothing to kind of bring out.
0: In the first half of the year, probably not.
1: Yeah.
0: Or they bring out Watch Dogs Legion in the summer. Could be. Like what's coming out this summer? We don't know.
1: But I think if the game was initially slated to come out in March. I don't think it's going to be that much longer than it comes. out. They'll probably have pushed it back so they can polish it better, but not like completely reboot the game and do something. No,
0: different. no, no. I don't think they're going to reboot the game. Yeah. I, they they pushed it back to polish it, but the question is, how much polish do you think your game's going to need? That's the whole thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so, uh, Bungie will also come out with a new expansion for Destiny.
0: Hmm. Well, wait, because the last expansion came out this this past fall, right?
1: Uh I think so. I'm not really a Destiny 2 player.
0: Yeah, I think it came out this past just fall. Because, that, our, th- th- because th- our mutual th- buddy th- was th- like has been into that game for the past couple of months now again. Yeah. So uh, they did something this year. Because yeah. they're also
1: doing something with like with seasons and kind of like with the season pass. And it's in a much better place than it was when it was under Activision's management. So there's a big, yeah. big improvement there. Um the tricky part is, is, it's so much because all the sites are set on next gen, is really silent on what's going to happen in the first six months of this year. There's probably stuff coming out. I mean, mm-hmm. um, just quickly look.
0: Ghost of Tsushima is coming out this summer.
1: Yeah, yeah, we know that. And then Final Fantasy, is of course, coming out in Q one or two, so we know that.
0: Wait, that one, that one actually has a date.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I just don't know the exact date off the top of my head, but I know it's coming, March third, twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as long as oh, right, there there was a leak. Yeah. Like yesterday or today about Final Fantasy 7 Remake getting a demo. Really. Yeah. Huh. On on it was leaked on PSN. I mean, they took it down, of course. Yeah. But this is like the second time they leaked stuff.
1: Oh, that's nice. Like they
0: leaked final, they re- final, final, they leaked Resident Evil Three being a thing yeah. before the game, the before the game awards, and now this. Oh man, that is hilarious. Uh,
1: we're of course getting uh, Cyberpunk 2077 in April and uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Avengers in May. Whoop-de-doo. Yep. Wow. Um, geez. Wow. Geez. To Minecraft Dungeons really supposed to come out this year.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh... yeah, I think they pushed that one back, didn't they? I don't know. it was supposed Halo. to come out in 2019.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it'll probably be due 2020. Um, yeah, Halo Infinite, of course, for the new Xbox.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Destroy All Humans remake is coming out.
0: Yeah, that's uh, right. That's... Kerbal Space Program too. like yeah. I
1: said. I saw a new uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga coming out probably.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Persona 5 Royal, I think.
0: Yep, that's coming up early this year. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah. Because, oh. it already, or because it already came out in Japan. Um, hopefully, uh, yeah. And of and uh, and Persona Five Scramble is also supposed to come out. Uh, let me see real quickly. U.S. release date. Uh, for Persona Five is March thirty first. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, hopefully Ubisoft finally comes out with uh, Beyond Good and Evil two. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, Elden Ring, of course, yeah, what's up with that? Okay, beyond good and evil, too. At this point, do you think it's coming out for current gen or is it coming out for next gen?
1: I don't know. They showed
0: a tech demo or a gameplay demo, and
1: that looked too good to be true for the current gen.
0: Yeah, my money is on uh, uh, my yeah, my money is on that it's next gen, and so so if they are gonna do something, it might come out this holiday season or. Mm in 2021 yeah. but uh yeah i don't think we should hold our breath. <laughs> yeah
1: we're also getting a uh, elden ring the game from from software of course mm-hmm. and uh, what else uh, no more heroes 3 is that coming out uh, that's 2020
0: they said 2020 i think I, they actually gave that a date um let me check real quick oh, oh yeah 20. persona 5 scramble is coming out february 20th yeah uh bones, um,
1: maybe. Finally,
0: <laughs> after all these years, have we heard anything about that? That was gonna
1: come out last year or the year before, but they pushed it. Hmm. Maybe a good day they did.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see. No, it just says 2020. I thought, I thought there was a date announced recently. I guess not. No, I think it was just the 2020.
1: Yeah. I'm uh, happy with what, like, partially the uncertainty is maybe a bit scary because you don't know what to expect so you don't know what to play in the coming months Mm -hmm. but looking looking at the rest of the years and okay say from let me just say from may onwards because then last of us comes out Mm -hmm. from may onwards it's going to get exciting because in may we'll get last of us and then in the summer we'll get ghost of Tsushima, and then There will probably be some directs and some state of place in which we might get some release dates for stuff in between Mm -hmm. um i hope that we get something in q1 or q2 otherwise it's going to be like a really quiet one besides final fantasy
0: Mm -hmm. but uh well i don't know what like i don't know what nintendo is up to like literally i do not know what nintendo is up to because they have been awkwardly quiet about the twenty twenty lineup, with the exception of No More Heroes three coming out, the uh, the um, Animal Crossing coming out in uh, in March third. Uh, am I saying that correctly? March twentieth uh, of this year, and um, yeah, that's about. It. And knowing that Breath of the Wild two exists, yeah, like that's about it. We don't even know a target window for Breath of the Wild, but I'm assuming that's this holiday season a holiday 2020 um anything else i can't even think of what else they might come with because um they might bring us uh, they they might bring us a new mario kart but i doubt that that would happen Uh, there's nothing else i could speculate about in terms of nintendo because they are so gosh darn Hush, hush Yeah, like it's fun to be a Nintendo fan, but sometimes it's really frustrating being a <laughs> Nintendo fan. <laughs> yeah, because there's
1: they, leaks as a PlayStation or Xbox.
0: Yeah, because they keep everything on the down low and they like giving surprises. And that's one of the things that I really like. But sometimes I'm like, it's, way, it's been way too quiet for way too long. Please say something. Let people know that you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because generally when it's really quiet for a long time, then there's a possibility it's all canceled that yeah well not even that it's more like they're working on stuff and they know that they can't show anything because the other thing is that there has been rumors that with the cancellation or the delay of Metroid Prime 4 they also delayed bringing out the Metroid Prime trilogy which that game needs to come out the Metroid Prime trilogy needs to be ported to Switch and it needs to come out asap because if you're going to bring out four, people need to know how one and two and three were. Yeah. And the only way you can play it right now is playing the, the Metroid Prime trilogy on Wii. Oh my God. So, yeah. So, I hope that rumor is true that they're going to port the trilogy to Switch. Um, we also know that Monolith stuff, the guys behind the Xenoblade games, are working on some stuff. Because they have been hiring for the past five years. And they've been growing their team a lot. And I mean a lot. So whatever they're working on, we don't know. Oh, we do know that they're porting um, the first Xenoblade game to Switch this year. I think, actually. Hang on, let me double check real quick. I think Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is coming to Switch this year. Because they showed a trailer.
1: I don't know if it's going to happen next year, but I suspect that we're going to get a lot of remakes or remasters from some big franchises. Because the guys that did uh, Shadow of the Colossus, I think it's called Blue Point Games, they were um, speculating, they were um, dropping like these hints on Twitter a while back, in which mm-hmm. they have this riddle, and in the riddle, it contains multiple references to either one game or multiple games so it it references something like hills and uh, solids and snakes and a lot of people were either speculating that it's a a dark souls or demon souls remaster or Mm -hmm. that it's going to be a silent hill a castlevania and a metal gear solid remake or remaster so hopefully it's the latter and we'll get a metal gear solid remaster on consoles because i really think that Gear solid one should get some extra love again
0: yeah oh yeah celebrate chronicles definitive edition is slated for this year as well nice so yeah like that's like from the nintendo's that aspect that is all i can come up with um not a lot (laughs) it's
1: it's, normally in In the past year, you kind of know what you need to look forward to for next year. So like last year, if in 2018, we had that with, uh, for example, with Anthem and other games. But like it's now we're in this position like, oh, well, I can't wait to be in this time next year because then I'll have a new shiny PlayStation under my TV and hopefully some new games to play. And I Mm -hmm. honestly hope that Sony does an event in February unveiling that new PlayStation with some games like they did with the PS4. And then hopefully they finally join E3 again and just like blow the roof off and say like, hey, this is the price. This is when it's coming out. These are the SQUs, This is what we're going to do. And this is what you can expect from us. So just make sure you pre-order right now and hope (laughs) time passes fast until we get to the holiday season.
0: Yeah. Uh, E3 is going to be the most interesting one that we've had in a really long time
1: I think so as well and who knows maybe
0: Nintendo will even drop something there yeah who knows alright let's wrap this segment up uh, and we'll see you guys on the other side
1: Alrighty, and I think with all those jam-packed, long segments, we've come to the end of the first episode of Season 2 of Game Rivals.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We hope you enjoyed the first season and also enjoyed the start of a new great season in which we're going to do a lot of amazing stuff. Um, If you want to reach out to us, as usual, you can... Send us an email at game rivals feedback at gmail.com. You can reach out through Twitter uh, at game underscore rivals underscore. If you want to talk to Maximilian about all the amazing stuff Nintendo does.
0: You can uh, <laughs> You can also talk to me about other gaming stuff. I'm fine with yeah, it. Yeah, but as he likes you Nintendo heard. stuff more. At uh, Maximilian is his Twitter
1: <laughs> handle. Um, you can find us on all podcasting platforms such as uh, Stitcher, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, of course. You can also drop us a voice message. The link for it is in either the description of this episode. You don't have to make an Anchor account for it, or you can do it through Anchor itself. Um, we also have a YouTube channel, um, which we have the video for the unboxing of uh, Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, the European Steelbox, Super Ultra Duper Amazing Edition. And also my first hour part one with uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on PS4. Um, We also have a survey still running. We just want to get some feedback from you all just so we can improve the show. So um, please take the time. It's really short. Fill it in. Give us some suggestions and ideas, and then we'll make Game Rivals even better. Um, I think that's it. Have I forgotten anything?
0: uh oh we also have an instagram which is at game rivals at game rivals. Uh, we'll, we'll be posting clips and uh some little nuggets of wisdom about our gaming experiences there as well throughout uh throughout throughout uh, the time so look at that for Next more stuff a
1: lot of wisdom so you definitely want to get in on it
0: i'm not the only one that has some nuggets of wisdom to to share when it comes to gaming <laughs> Um, but you might also see some video uh video clips of us playing certain video games, so look forward to that as well from there. Um and yeah, uh season two, uh off to a big bombastic start. Um we just wanna say thank you guys for sticking with us uh for over this past year. If you're new to this, welcome. Again, this is a unique uh episode because it is not just the end it wasn't just the the start of the second season but we're and we've just entered 2020 and we just wanted to do the decade in review and just talk about some cool games that we've played over the past 10 years um and just share that with you guys so yeah thank you guys for listening to us and we hope you stick with us and we hope you share uh share our podcast around spread the good word. And again, uh, thank you guys for listening. You want to sign us off?
1: Thank you. Um, Thank you for listening, everybody. My My name is Sean
0: Templer. And I'm Maximilian X.
1: And we will catch you on the next one and enjoy this episode. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Bye.